0: Bowling game from Milton Bradley. Batteries not included. I'm smarter than your average pin, you know. And we're into it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, we should pick the we should start picking the commercials that we're gonna play at the top.
1: Uh, easily the silly six pins.
0: Oh, silly six pins? Silly oh, six that's gotta pins. be It's going to be. Hey everybody, can <laughs> you dig? <laughs>
1: Spencer Sir Walsh is a, a two two-time pig. pig.
0: We've all seen good luck, Charlie.
1: Um, uh, hi everyone. Hi.
0: Do you remember us? No, your old ear you friends. Must have
1: forgotten it's been a long time. Who left me for a fish in the sea. Do
0: you remember Christopher <laughs> yes. Robin? Oh, God.
1: Great film. <laughs> this you is... and McGregor See, I was going for Obi-Wan Kenobi a long time. Um, long time. And you went for a long fish in the time. sea.
0: I like the repeating long time. Yes. Long, long, long time. time. Long time. And I haven't heard in a long time. I don't want to be... A, a long, long time. time. Yeah. Um, I think my cook is awesome.
1: I keep her photo.
0: What is it? What is it? Got
1: her picture in my photo wagon. Haha, ha, keep it popping.
0: Yeah, she probably liked the hockey tonk. She
1: probably liked the hockey talk. That's what I said. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Bushes well, of love. Everyone. We're back, everybody. We're back and we're better than ever and we're not making any sense and we're asking, do you remember? Do you
1: remember? That's the our the hit 21st new night of September.
0: Molly, not only will I be so sad when there's no music video, <laughs> when there's when there's no demi music video, uh, <laughs> this this September twenty first, I wonder if we'll even have the concept of charity without that little link at the end of you remember Molly?
1: Yeah, but every is he year not doing it because every year he says he's not gonna and then he does. Molly,
0: I don't know. This last one was pretty big. It
1: was pretty big, but you know what they say: go big or go home. And he didn't go home; he went big. So I he think did, he's coming back. I don't
0: know whose home. That was where they were filming, but I don't think he lives in that sort of fifties <sighs> house.
1: Well, Powerpuff so he didn't go home, home,
0: home then. Well, at any rate, Molly. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, what? Uh, who, how, how, what was the order this goes in?
1: So I think I'm Danny. I'm Molly. No, no, no it's gotta I'm be. I'm Molly. I'm Danny. Or am I Danny? No, 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 no. no, no. Molly. <laughs> I'm Molly. I'm Danny. And this is The Pants Are Too Tight,
0: which is the best name for a podcast ever. We haven't missed a beat. No. In the four or five months
1: that we've for... been gone.
0: It's four months because right? September was like five months ago as of this recording. Who knows if this will get released?
1: So I think the last one we did was we were arguing about whether it was going to be a Halloween episode or not.
0: We're going to put this one in the vault. This one's not coming out. I'm calling it right No,
1: now. it's got to come out. This be so, will be the last one. one this the last one.
0: last one of these. Molly, get your series finale stuff out of the way now so we can do the regular uh, episode. Oh,
1: no. Um well, we're back. Yeah. Um, Where have we been, Danny?
0: Um, we, it's weird. We haven't been doing anything.
1: No. It's not like
0: we got so busy we couldn't do this. And
1: what oddly enough happened is I think we became even less busy and therefore- Less
0: motivated. Yeah. Less so scheduled. So
1: I quit my job.
0: And I just stopped trying. I'm still doing all the things I normally do. Yeah. I just stopped putting any effort in any of them.
1: <laughs> Danny's hair right now, I wish you could all see. It's- Psychotic. I'm. Look, and what's better. crazy
0: is that my hair used to be like down to my shoulders, like real wild man Charles. Ma- I looked like Charles Manson for a, a period bit. of time. I had the big beard and the hair, and then I cut all the hair off, and now it's like kind of moderate length for me, but it's definitely less kempt. It's than just it's ever the, been. The center of it is sticking directly yes, up. That's because when I sleep, I toss and turn. And so it gets flat on the sides but the middle spikes it's right It's not up.
1: because you are constantly running your fingers through the top of your head. No, hair.
0: no, don't look at how much hair falls out when I do this now that I'm old. Oh my god. You
1: have Danny has more hair than like most people I know, but Danny will certainly be the first person I know to
0: go bald. Cuz I rip my hair out of my head like a like a psychotic child.
1: Um Danny's been raising a puppy.
0: I have been dealing with a puppy, not my puppy. I've been taking care of a puppy for a friend. Um, and
1: for several months now, it's been three
0: months that I've had this dog. It
1: feels like 80.
0: I feel like I feel like I birthed the dog. It's been here so long. And I once the dog's gone, I'm not letting it back in the house.
1: The dog definitely thinks you birthed it.
0: The dog doesn't remember any life before this. No, no. I'm sure if you showed the dog to the whatever Amish people raised (laughs) it on whatever farm, it would be like, oh, mother.
1: No, I think he's got about a thirty second attention span. I This dog don't is, know.
0: is cuckoo.
1: Um, for I Cuff Cuffs, directed a play, so I I was a little busy for a little bit. Sure,
0: but like I saw that play. That wasn't a Are
1: you gonna insult my That wasn't uh, that in wasn't
0: it. so much of a play you couldn't do a podcast with no, a old No, it was
1: not. It was not. Um but it was good though. It, it was, was a children's it was a fun time.
0: Can I tell them? Yeah. It was a children's production of the Addams family which was scheduled to happen two years ago. Mm-hmm. And Molly t- took over the local theater group. She's directing plays. She's hitting gays. She's doing all the stuff.
1: Whoa, I'm a hitting gaze. That sounds I, really bad.
0: I edit the show and that's staying uh, in.
1: Well, I'm your not hate doing crime, that, Evidence folks. of your hate crimes. Um,
0: I would never. I would never. It was an gaze.
1: amazing experience. You would. Um,
0: if he was coming at you with a knife, you wouldn't have your morals then, would you?
1: If someone was attacking me. I, it would have nothing to do with their. If sexuality. one of those little,
0: if one of those little children happened to be gay and happened to be running at you with a knife, you'd hit him.
1: No, I would try verbal de-escalation as a. Molly, proper he's running. There's underworld. no time. He's
0: coming at you. It's all instant. Then I'd
1: use my cat like reflexes.
0: And another liberal bites that dust. That's a thing James Cameron said uh, once. Jesus he Christ. was he was trying to get Sigourney Weaver to do the movie Aliens, um, and she was Never like, "I don't." It. Oh well, there's this little guy and he has to get home, right? Okay. But he can't find a phone. He can't find a phone. Molly, the phones on their planet are so weird. They're made of speaking spells and umbrellas, apparently. Uh, I love that in E.T., we're all just like, yeah, no, he built a machine. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he took my dad's, my, my deadbeat dad who left us, he took his buzzsaw and his speaking spell and uh, this umbrella and a coat hanger and he's he's calling space.
1: All I remember of that movie is the terrifying... COVID-19 scene with the hazmat suits. Oh, the hazmat the, suit
0: guys, yeah. The tunnels. And I thought you meant when ET was sick. You know, no. when he turns all white well, and Well, I he's mean, lying yeah, that's, that's part of why he's in the COVID-19
1: yeah. scene. Um, um anyway. Oh,
0: but yeah, so uh, he's trying to get Sigourney Weaver to do the movie Aliens, mm-hmm. and in the director's commentary for Aliens, which of course I've listened to a hundred times, he is talking about how Sigourney Weaver didn't want to do a movie where guns were the answer, mm. because she's, you know, a person of, of certain morals. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, good for you, because when the new Halloween movie came out, 2018, people were like, Jamie Lee Curtis is all anti-gun, but in the movie she's got guns, and it's like, well, one... The movie does not portray Jamie Lee Curtis as having a good life. She has ruined her life and yeah. abused her daughter, and she's living alone in a shack in the woods. But also, if Michael Myers was coming to get me, I would happily take a gun. Like I, yeah,
1: I'm not, yeah, it's like you know you don't believe in in war, but if people are bombing and shooting sure. at you, you can either die or protect I don't yourself.
0: like I don't like war, but there were Nazis at some point, so I'm fine with some wars having happened anyway. But so uh, Sigourney Weaver was like, I don't really like how many guns are in this movie. And he was like, let me take you out to a shooting range. And Sigourney had a great time shooting that gun. And let me tell you, another liberal bites that dust, which is weird because he's not a Republican.
1: It sounds like something that I... It sounds like something made up, honestly. We used to great. be able
0: to joke about things like that. We used Remember to sort the days? of. We used to. I mean, not that it was good that we were.
1: No, no, but <laughs> but they, there were some fun.
0: It actually times. probably made it harder to convince people of the seriousness of the problem later on. But it used to be like, ah, you tree hugger, like ha ha ha, you're a hippie, like that used to be like a joke, and now it's like, listen, if you express. Any kind of sympathy for cutting down trees? Uh, you're part of the problem, buddy. Get Sometimes
1: off you need to cut down a tree. What's her name? What?
0: The president? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I was gonna say that there was a person recently who completely quit being uh on. They're they're a YouTuber. They've been a YouTuber their their whole career, and they make videos and stuff. And they've quit being like a public person recently. No. And I never saw someone do that, but I was like. I guess if you just don't want to do it anymore, you don't have to. Like Jenna just,
1: Marbles, I feel like. Oh, she well, did that I, I guess she did, but
0: I don't, I'm not connected to the real internet. Well, culture. Charlie
1: is so cool. Like, you know, I love Charlie. Charlie, but McDonald. didn't he have a TV show on Quibi? Yeah, but he quit being a public person pretty much. He stopped doing YouTube right. for a while and didn't do anything. Now he's a Twitch streamer. So he has since become a, a, public, a public person, person again, I'm but sure. he won't do YouTube, but he just did YouTube live oh. for the first time time and forever doing anything on youtube and um it was all the same that
0: that song he used to sing about the pimples
1: no he doesn't do any of his old bits he just did a lot of twitch (laughs) stuff and i was like i've never watched twitch and this did not (laughs) convince me
0: (laughs) yeah i can't watch twitch because i'll watch people play video games sometimes but like not on twitch because then i can't fast forward in case Mm. i get bored i think my my attention problems yeah recently i was talking to someone and i was like i don't have adhd but i can't Sometimes I don't want to watch long things. And they went, but doesn't everyone in your family have ADHD? And I was like, "You, I'm not going to be one of those people who self-diagnoses themselves. Does ADHD your therapist guy.
1: think you have ADHD? My
0: therapist doesn't know what to think. Mm. <laughs> I come with a new problem every week, and they're like, "Wait a minute, we were talking about this one thing," and I'm like, "No, my in the week since you've seen me, my <laughs> whole life is collapsed. now my whole life is now about this new problem." You know
1: how like you can't fail therapy, like obviously, like this is a joke um, as a mental it. health p- ther- uh, mental health professional. P-therapist. So I had yeah, as a therapist, as
0: our P psychiatrist,
1: um, I. <laughs> I was at therapy this past week and I've been going to therapy like every two to three weeks yes. recently. It was a step down for me. You're and so um, you're talking, I'm talking to the therapist, uh, pretty much didn't stop talking the whole time. And she goes, uh, uh maybe we'll stop here and I think you should come in next week. Are you okay with that? Oh. And I was like, ah, I failed. I didn't. <laughs> and she was right. I need to come back next yeah. week. But it was like a real, uh, you failed therapy moment. Um,
0: I have one of those every once in a while where I will tell my therapist the thing that's really bothering me that I've been refusing to talk mm-hmm. to them about for a while because I don't want to think about sad things, which is the absolute opposite point of therapy. Yeah, I've been trying to, what's new with me? Nothing interesting. Everything new about me since the last episode of the show is dull. It's like, oh, I've been taking care of a friend's dog. I, I went on a diet. I try to ride my little exercise And I became
1: a vegetarian. I
0: stopped eating meat because Molly, you're a cow killer. And every time you look a cow in the face, which is pretty often, I think,
1: I don't know why yeah. it is so hard for me to respect Danny's decision to become a vegetarian. <laughs> I have yeah. no problem with any other person on the planet becoming a yeah. vegetarian, but there's something there's
0: Something about me Danny that makes it Danny becoming a vegetarian. It feels that, like a lie maybe. Yeah, like I <laughs> It
1: feels like, like when you it go happens home, I that I lost like all respect for Danny in lunch. <laughs> <laughs> One swell He was like, he was like I'm, "I stopped eating meat, and I walked out the door, and I never spoke to Danny again."
0: Um, you leave, and I just like quietly eat my chicken nuggets. It
1: well really away. feels like it, like it's some long con, and I don't believe no, it. No, it. it's
0: been five months now.
1: That's insane. It can't have been be, You it'll, can't it'll, have been a vegetarian to, longer than you had this fucking dog. No,
0: it's true. It, um, funny enough, I started on September eleventh. <laughs> uh, September tenth was the last time I had any meat. I had a sandwich for lunch and I felt... I was like... I just looked at what I had eaten that day and I was like, if I just had a different sandwich, I wouldn't have eaten any meat today and I would have been perfectly happy. And I'd never... Been cool with the whole eating animals thing. is just a thing that I'm like, well, you know, nature. You know. You, you just don't think about it like most things. You just like, ah, yeah, it's fine. It's, it's not my problem. It's nature's problem. It's, it's nature's you're not problem.
1: like an animal lover. Like, I mean, I'm not. No, saying. you've seen
0: me with the dog. I'm not. Yeah, like you're not him. like
1: this animal guy. <laughs> no. So it's it's so confusing to me.
0: Yeah. Um. I'm not like a big, even a big. I don't even think that everyone else should stop eating meat because it's like i I look, I think it's weird. it makes me uncomfortable, but I'm also a sensitive little goober. I acknowledge that like the animals eat each other. I don't think this is that weird that people you know built buildings to kill the animals faster or something. I don't know i I just have always felt a little weird about it, and then it's like, well, it's also a good kind of a diet to go on for health reasons uh for the listeners, I weigh six hundred pounds, <laughs> and that's down from seven hundred yeah. in September, so
1: um. But it's so weird because, like, as long as I've known Danny, like, his two favorite things to eat are cheeseburgers and chicken fingers. Because as Um, a child, no
0: one explained to me you could eat anything else when you went to a restaurant. I did not care for mac and cheese, which that's a 180 in my life.
1: um, I mean, we're big pasta people. We are are always big pasta people. But it's just interesting to me. Do you think it's something you'll stick with for the rest of your life?
0: I'd like to if I have the I, I see no reason to go back to eating meat. I don't miss it really at all the only thing I miss is when I'm feeling bad about myself I used to go to a McDonald's and get the two cheeseburger meal and just scarf it down and that was a real crutch of like just it's one in the Goddamn morning, and I want to eat a hunk of something. And uh, so that's gone now, and that's fine. Um, currently, I do still consume animal products like uh, like eggs or milk or things. Well,
1: that's good because you kind of need that not to uh, not attacking any vegans like you do you, but a lot of people who become vegetarians, vegans, et cetera, they yeah. really struggle to supplement their diet with yeah. the appropriate things. But just something I worry about you is something our other brother, Ryan was a vegetarian for a while. and, it wasn't like he was being a vegetarian and eating other protein yeah. and things. He just um, stopped eating well, meat. In the last,
0: Ryan was a vegetarian back when, what, I was in high school maybe? Not even because by no high idea. school he was eating meat again. So Ryan was a vegetarian when he was like a, a young teenager. Um, and and But since then it's so much easier to get like – a uh, sort of artificial protein and things like you can just, you can eat one of those fake, uh, I really have been enjoying finding out all the vegetarian products, because uh, they're all just the name of the meat they're shaped like. They're all the same thing. They're all like tofu or whatever or the beyond meat. But they just shape them like different kinds of meat. And then they take the vowels out of the word. So if you want a chicken patty, you just buy a chicken patty. Yeah, I know. With it's no... insane. Yeah,
1: Because the vowels are the enemy.
0: <laughs> vowels are what means it's meat.
1: What is crazy to me is that I think when you decide to become a vegetarian, yeah. vegan, etc., you convince yourself that these things taste good and yeah, you genuinely and believe it and they don't because Danny was like, because I've tried like, I'm an open-minded person yeah. like, I understand the issues with the meat consumption industry and all that, like, if you can give me something that tastes good I will eat it. And Danny was like, I've been eating these Beyond Burgers, they're actually good. Yeah. And so I trusted him and aren't they paid? They were horrible. Yeah. And it was so such a lie. I there felt is so a difference cheated. between
0: the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burger. Both
1: are gross.
0: I I do think one is better. The problem is I can never remember which one is which because the packaging at the grocery store is identical.
1: Because you definitely
0: also have ADHD. Maybe. But anyway. But the, see, if I had ADHD. This is not a real question. Okay. Why would I be able to retain so much of everything else? Why would I be able to retain everything James Cameron says on the DVD commentary? Because ADHD is
1: not a problem that you – it's not that you cannot pay attention. It's a problem regulating your attention. So you hyper-focus on certain things and don't – focus on the other things. Molly,
0: you're making me sad. I don't want to think about this. Um, The fact that I might have to be one of those people who's like, "Um, I have ADHD. I don't want to be that put it in my Twitter bio. You kidding okay, me? You
1: don't have to put it in your Twitter bio. Ugh. There's nothing wrong with having ADHD. I do not. No, I want to
0: bring back the stigma. <laughs> That's my new goal. Everyone I mean, who has a mental you disorder. You have something.
1: I would love to know what your diagnoses are as uh, your sibling and a mental professional. The only
0: things I am medicated for are depression and anxiety, but everyone has those. You
1: have to have some kind of unspecified something else because you like, and I, and I don't mean this. In because any I kind don't of...
0: like the way grass feels on my toes. Is yeah, that
1: okay. it? <laughs> you absolutely, falls somewhere on the ADHD to autism spectrum. I have no doubt in my oh mind.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I, just, I truly... I'm i out have, there.
0: You're just saying it to the people.
1: I am saying it to the people. They definitely already know. It's okay. Well, anyway,
0: my long-term plan is to eventually cut out all the animal <laughs> products. I just need to find sort of... I, I think I'll maybe... I, if I make it to a year as a vegetarian, I'll, I'll do sort of a trial run as a vegan and see if I can live that way. My A good friend of mine, Charlie, she's uh, a vegan and she... Um, I mean, she mainly eats French fries. <laughs>
1: that's the problem. No, but she's healthy. See, my thing is, I honestly, I've known a bunch of people who have been vegetarians, vegans, et cetera, of our age group. I I am not friends with anyone who has remained one. And right. that's what's interesting to me. Um,
0: I, can't so. Im- I just can't imagine going back to eating. I just have currently, and I know I've only been in it for less than half a year, mm-hmm. uh, but like I just, I don't, I see no problem with just not eating meat. It's fine with me. I'm fine with it. Um, Right now, cheese is too much of a staple of my diet. And that's part of the vegan thing is I want to eliminate more options.
1: This is insane to me as people that – well, you're not as picky of an eater, I guess. No, right. I will eat garbage. I'm going to think about this, Um, but I want you to know I am always judging you and only you for That's it.
0: It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm judging myself. I don't like it. I wouldn't have brought it up on the podcast if you didn't start yelling it.
1: I don't know how it came up. I said I um, went on a
0: diet. I purposefully didn't say it because I think it's annoying oh. when people talk about being vegetarians. I think it's preachy.
1: I'm sorry. I felt like it was important to them because otherwise it, it, I also, it doesn't
0: give you the picture of what I'm doing. It doesn't. And, and I don't want to also
1: push forward diet culture. You know, like I firmly you know that believe way. that
0: people should Not do this. I just, I just. (laughs) But you can do it for
1: yourself. You know, it's it's a different thing.
0: It's a hundred percent a personal thing, and that's why I don't. I don't even think again. I, I genuinely do not think the moral eating animal components is the biggest part of it for me, because it's like, you know, like I, I don't think I don't. I genuinely do not think it's weird that people eat animals. I completely understand why it happens but like there is like a choice now and like i just don't you know
1: yeah i make get a you one choice
0: it's fine it's like not wearing fur actually fur might be worse i guess i don't know is fur do we still think fur is bad as a culture
1: yeah we definitely still think fur is bad as a okay, culture okay cuz
0: like i've never looked at an old lady in a fur coat and been like you bastard but you know you what i i see
1: someone in a fur coat i assume it's faux fur i would never think that someone I is actually it's wearing Bo fur. wearing <laughs> a faux fur fernum he's wearing a faux um. fur
0: <laughs> thank you I'll be here all week <laughs> I, that's how funny I am now that I don't eat meat. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um,
1: comedy directly tied to the meat industry.
0: All um, of my jokes are very preachy now. Yeah. I'm a lot of fun to listen wow, to. Wow, Danny. I don't even do real comedy anymore. I get up, I do-
1: Interesting that you started watching Bob's Burgers as you cut out meat, though. I think <laughs> your subconscious is trying to tell you something. My subconscious
0: is trying to tell me that the fourth episode of Bob, fourth episode of Bob's Burgers, is about is it wrong to kill cows? <laughs> Four episodes in, they get to it. Paul F. Tompkins is uh, he plays a character named Randy, who just is a weird documentary filmmaker who has money for nothing and chicks for free, and he insists that Bob is a bad guy for. For killing cows, and he puts a cow in a wig and says, "Look at what you're doing! Look at look at who you're killing!"
1: I have seen way too much of Bob's Burgers for someone who never tried to watch the show.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big Bob's Burgers fan. So it's
1: it's very funny. The first uh, the pilot really scarred us and turned me off to. It's gross to watching the show. Um and then uh, my friends were watching it when I lived with them in Disney and I was like, this is great. This yeah. is great.
0: Molly, I'm gonna unwrap and eat a a, a gear deli chocolate
1: right You now. you go ahead and do it that. It has
0: dairy in it. So it's um, I'm really wow. Not, not even close to that vegan thing.
1: Um so I'm gonna talk to the the listeners. I'm gonna give them a little update. So part of the reason I also
0: twenty one minutes in.
1: That's great. It's <laughs> great. Quick... Classic Molly and Danny long openings. Um I like James part Paul. of the reason we also did not um podcast for a while. You're great. You're really great. They love you. Um is that I I did end up getting the coronavirus mm. unfortunately. Um, that only
0: stopped you for like 2 weeks. We had been, I want them to know that was yeah. like 4 months into this.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was it was recently though, you know, I felt like 'Cause I had stopped the I ended the play, had about a week of freedom, yeah. which was just me recovering from nonstop going all the time. And then I got COVID and did nothing in quarantine. And then um here we are. Um, you know, so that's pretty much where we've been. Um I've been really into looking up toys that I can't buy lately. Crochet. I mean that's not new.
0: You've been crocheting?
1: Danny, I definitely don't know how to crochet. You're going to learn. It involves counting, I believe, and that's Mm -mm. not something I'm good Mm
0: -mm. at. No, no. No thank you, daddy. No, no. No
1: no, no do counting. No do Um, counting.
0: (laughs) um, An automobile kleiner schon. No counting. No (laughs) counting. all right all right back we're, to the, we're voices, back to the voices, voices folks um y'all love funny voices yeehaw i'm doing an accent oh danny uh, <laughs> oh danny from clock
1: and <laughs> Oh, um, uh,
0: Germans really do suck though like all of them like if you're listening to this and you're German or you have a German friend like i'm sorry
1: yeah our German heritage fuck you our
0: Herman heritage
1: Herman Jaredage. I, I like miss that. him. Good name. He was a cool
0: guy. <laughs> Nazi sympathizer.
1: So, this is the Pants Are Too Tight. Um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> that was Danny's chocolate voice, in case you didn't know. Um, I don't know. We don't really have a solid topic for you guys today. Well, we do. Um,
0: we I think do. we, between the two of us, we've got one solid topic, and that is. <laughs> The Church of Scientology, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Today's episode is all about Scientology. Not really.
1: Not really. But um, I we have, talked about it. We talked about we. I have been really into that Leah Remini. Or Leah Remini. I don't. I. I. I'm dyslexic and can't say her name. Um, Stop
0: using weird disabilities as excuses for not knowing how to say Leah Remini. Does she not say it at the beginning of the show? No. Hi, I'm Leah Remini. Welcome no, to the basement. No, she doesn't
1: say it. They say her name, but the guy who says it is Australian. And, you know, I just can't understand. Leah Remini. But, yeah, but, no, it's not that That's heavy. That's so many
0: vowels for an Australian to say.
1: What if she was vegetarian? It would just be... It would be... La- <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's the fake meat, Leah Remini. Um, La Remini. I've
1: been watching her show that was on A&E um, on Netflix. It's all on there, the three seasons. And... Um,
0: Six seasons and a movie of uh, Scientology.
1: It's fascinating. It has been blowing my mind. Um, I have never been a proponent of Scientology. Um, I've just always heard bad things about it, and I, knew I would that. be
0: concerned if you were secretly campaigning for them and you hadn't <laughs> told me. I um, would be really confused and upset.
1: No, but I could have easily had a, no opinion on it. You know, like because I've never sure. met a Scientologist. Um, but I, would you like to? No,
0: I'm calling him up. No, please, do David. Don't. Mr. Miscavige. Mr. Miscavige. Mr. Miscavige. I hate hearing them say the his name.
1: Um, so this actually started because I went to go see the Book of Mormon this week, right. um, because I've always wanted
0: to, and my boyfriend right. got me tickets to COVID. that for Christmas. Yeah, you went to a theater.
1: I already had COVID, so <laughs> I was safe. I was um, safe.
0: I was giving it to other people.
1: Um, I was. I ended my quarantine. I know you're good. Um, don't tell the viewers that I'm a super spreader. They're
0: listeners. Um, no. Super spreader. Uh, <laughs> oh no, Spidey, look out! It's the super spreader. <laughs> um, I've come to the city of New York, Spider. That's just Cobra Commander. I couldn't come up with a new villain voice on the spot. Oh, the spot. Now the there's a spot. villain.
1: Oh, that's what we so should many talk bundles. about. Do you want to talk about the spot? Let's for two end, hours? end this. science. Oh, it's so okay, Scientology stuff. Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon. So I went to go see the Book of Mormon. Um, I just threw a Sharpie for no reason. Um, it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Um, I've wanted to see it for years, but so I've wanted to see it.
0: And you saw the updated version. I
1: saw the updated version. Right.
0: Um, and I. 3% less racist.
1: It's very, very, very minimally less racist, but. They had a it workshop. Works. They were the
0: only Broadway show I saw that asked the actors what they wanted to do and they flew out Trey Parker and Matt Stone to talk to them and like rewrite it. Yeah. like. All these other Broadway shows that changed, just kind of like whoever was in charge was like, ooh, we shouldn't say barbaric in Aladdin anymore. Like, that's it.
1: Well, okay, (laughs) this one was interesting to me, and I'm not making a comment on it either way. I just find it interesting that the solution to the Lion King was we will not refer to Rafiki as a monkey in any way.
0: Although I do believe Rafiki is a monkey.
1: Rafiki is a monkey, but we are not going to refer to Rafiki as a monkey.
0: But we're still going to cast the, the the what, probably the most prominent black woman in the show as the monkey character?
1: I I can't answer that. I don't know. I mean, it, it's worse if
0: you replace her with a white woman, obviously.
1: There's no referring to Rafiki as a monkey in the show. But
0: Rafiki is still a monkey. It's not like they made Rafiki a lion, too. I- They just cut the word monkey? I, as
1: far as I, I know. I guess that
0: makes sense. That is the word that would-
1: And baboon, though. We cannot refer to Rafiki as... Just
0: Rafiki's just a cool buddy of ours from the Savannah with a big red butt. Yes. Does Rafiki still do the sort of comedic click language bit where they pretend to... Do we know this?
1: I have never seen Lion King the Musical. Okay.
0: Because there used to be a bit in Lion King the Musical where Rafiki would do sort of a chant of African words and then do kind of a four laughs would do the kind of uh, click language for a bit. Um... I have no idea. Um, Okay, I don't know. Look, can we get through one of these without talking talking about about racism? We're the world's least qualified people. You brought it up. I was just talking about the Book of Mormon. So it was great. Um, You saw the updated version.
1: I saw the updated version of Book of Mormon. And I'd never seen the unupdated version of Book of Mormon. um, So, you know, I can't tell you how different it was. But I know it's, from what I've read, very minimally different. But uh, it worked for me. Anyway, um, loved it. I've been super, super, super into South Park the last um, month or two. Um, you're been, on the
0: cutting edge of Pop Culture.
1: I am right there. I started South Park from the beginning. I, I've watched South Park a lot over the last few years yes. and really liked it. You're going
0: it. down to South Park.
1: Yes, and you're I'm having a yourself. time. You're having a time. I'm having a time. Real um, quick, I'm
0: going to open a soda. You're, if you're listening to this in a car, your tires are not being shot out. I have to say that every time because I think it's so funny. <laughs> You've been, you from the beginning. Um,
1: so I've been watching South Park from the beginning. No, I might start I, your story. <laughs> I had never seen... Um, the beginning of South Park. I've really been enjoying it. But so right before I went to go see the Book of Mormon, I watched the episode about Scientology. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know what? I've been really meaning to watch that documentary series about Scientology. Because when it first came out, I was like, I want, I need to watch this. And I never did because we didn't um, – who had time to watch TV every week? It came out weekly on A&E. Not me. I did not have that kind of time. Right. Um, so I – my boyfriend, I've been looking up things about Scientology. And the more I was reading about it, the more I was like, I need to I need to see this. And um, so I've been watching it the last three days till six o'clock in the morning every day. And it's right. fascinating me. Um, It's horrible. It needs to be stopped. I tried to look into as like a therapist, social worker. Can I find a job deprogramming former cult members or like, right. legit, like providing therapy to people who have escaped cults? can't really find anything specific about that. Um, if anyone wants to shoot any of those resources oh, my yeah, way, so they'd be great. Email
0: if you're deprogramming cult members. And
1: you need some help. I would love it. I, it's fascinating to me. I, I wanna learn everything I can about every cult ever.
0: You just have a little piece of paper that says like, um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ignore everything you've been taught. It
0: just says, uh, could you, it just says, hey, you're not in the cult anymore. And like, that's all they give you to work with. It just right? says like, you're out of there, buddy. Oh, yeah. it's you did crazy. it you're gone you made stop it. stop talking about um oh what's the name of the guy who shoots the people in the volcano in the ice what's the guy zinu yeah stop talking about zinu and then I, they're like but i fundamentally believe in zinu and you're like oh then why did you leave the call go but back But they
1: don't so that's what i learned is so so they they from what people have heard of scientology a lot of times they're like you know they hear of this crazy guy zinu and the volcano and the spirits that come back to yeah. earth and all this stuff the the Titans, Titans. I don't know. I keep reading. Titans. Thank you. um And don't insult my faith. They, but that is something that they cannot confirm. Yes, is part of the faith. It is only revealed to people in the upper levels of Scientology. So once they reach OT um, three, once they are
0: told the, then
1: they are told this is the what the secret beliefs are. Right. And
0: do you think they can hear that dog barking in the background?
1: I didn't think so. Um. And so, it's just insane. Like, can yeah. you imagine you believe something that doesn't seem necessarily all that crazy?
0: I agree. It's not that crazy. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Scientology, not that crazy.
1: No, but like, you know. If no, you like,
0: it just it. makes sense. Yeah, no, like, it's just my whole <laughs> life put together, finally.
1: In comparison, you know, you think you're at least just believing in something that's about bettering mankind or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you reach a point and they're like aliens yeah. and all of that. It's wild. Could um, you
0: imagine if you were like a Christian, you know, the other big cult mm-hmm, man? Mm-hmm. It's me, the vegetarian who doesn't like organize religion. I fucking hate myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, could you imagine, like you're you're like a Catholic for like thirty years, and then like you you get elected bishop, and then now that you're bishop, they're like, okay, we can tell you, um, this Jesus thing, it's an act. It's all an act. This whole thing has been about our, our dearest friend, the Hamburglar. And right? you're praying to the Hamburglar. It's
1: crazy. Like, there is, as far as I know, no other... It is kooky. ...quote-unquote religion that does that. Um, but I want to learn all about cults now because I'm, I'm fascinated. And I feel like this is a new part of my personality. But then when I was talking about it today, I realized it's not. Because as a child, I was quite obsessed with Charles Manson and his cult. You were? Yes. I watched one day randomly on the bio channel they yeah. had a thing about charles Manson, and i was fascinated and from then on i watched every television special that came out about him and, and... you
0: pointed at the tv and said daddy that's what i want to do when i grow up
1: <laughs> um no um but it, it has to stem from that same love of like serial killers and this yeah. whole fascination with the human mind and human i've always behavior. been a big
0: cult guy you know that yeah i've I'm really been into cults You you remember my before the documentary wild country came out wild wild country mm-hmm. do you remember that before that i was really interested in the in the cult which was in i want to say is oregon is in like the Pacific Northwest, Mm -hmm. um, which I don't remember the name of that region. I had to think of the little girl from Gravity Falls whose name is Pacifica Northwest (laughs) to remember what they call like Oregon and Washington. Uh, So but like it it was there and it was this guy who claimed to be uh, a guru from India and he had this, you know, sort of. Uh, a female lieutenant who was his uh, the the real ringleader of the whole cult and everything. Uh, there's, of course, now there's a Netflix show about it, so now everybody knows about the Rajneesh thing. thing. Uh, but just kind of, I, I'm always interested in things like that. I really am fascinated by cults in a very surface-level way. I, I still don't get why people join cults, which mm-hmm. is a part of every documentary about every cult. They cut to a therapist in a chair going, why do people join cults? Well... There really is no one type of person who joins a cult. It, uh, it affects all people, you know, people who already have a religion, people who uh, come from different places, different ages, different races, you know, but the, the, the one key thing that unites them is they're all looking for something. They are. And I always go, yeah, but like my life has no meaning or direction, but I don't suddenly if you just tell me like actually aliens, I wouldn't just go, oh, good, the aliens.
1: Well, to be fair, Danny, you're not usually in your day to day life asked to join a cult, you know. You
0: you don't know, you just don't know what I go through.
1: <laughs> um, I know that one time you were almost sex traffic slash asked to join the Church of Mother God by that person who had like texted you about that meeting.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I used to work at, okay, so I used to work at Penny's. I worked at Penny's for like a year in, in high school and one day I was just walking around the floor and um, a person asked me to help them with something, and I was like, "Oh, sure," assuming they needed me to tell them where like the t-shirts are or something, because that's all I do. And mind you, I was on my way to my break, so I was being nice. I was eating <laughs> up my time to help this guy. And then he proceeded to describe to me his Bible study group, and insisted on on you know giving uh, on getting my phone number and everything. And I was stupid; I really gave him my phone number instead of just saying like three yeah. and then walking away. Um, I gave him my, my phone number, and so then for a while I was getting texts from this guy, not a computer, from this guy, saying like, hey, we do our Bible study at this house we rent. It's this house. It's on, you know, long, dirt, abandoned road in your town where you live. You know long, dirt, abandoned road. And I went, oh, I sure do. And so this guy kept trying to get me to come <laughs> out to this Bible study group. And for all I know, this was a real Bible study group. There was a woman with him while he was talking, as if to add validity to like, don't worry, there's a woman here.
1: Which is one of the number one things that happens with sex trafficking. Exactly,
0: which I found out because of that lady who was on Smallville. And I don't say that to demean the cast of Smallville, who are all apparently very nice, except for Allison Mack, who it turns out was in a cult, and none of them knew about it. But sometimes she would just hand out a pamphlet on set, and they would be like, oh, this is, you know... She's one of those annoying vegetarians who, you know, mm. doesn't believe in organized religion or whatever. And like, she was totally fine. And then one day she showed up at Michael Rosenbaum's house. He played Lex Luthor on the show. And uh, she just like showed up at his house with like other weird cult member hippies, and they were like trying to make food in his kitchen or whatever. And he told them <laughs> to leave, and they tried to fight him. Anyway, so cults are weird. Is the is the total gist? We're thirty six minutes in. Well,
1: I think the gist <laughs> was actually that you are tried to be inducted into. I'd a war.
0: Someone tried to traffic me,
1: traffic him, and or my young newbile body. Um, and, and there was a lot of reper- reports in um the area where we lived about. Um, I believe it was the Church of Mother God. Um, or something like that that was um, a sex trafficking front. Um, but there, there are cults. But my point was that as far as people joining cults, us and our daily lives are not typically approached and asked to join.
0: Usually not. There's some kind of stain on my shirt, and I don't know what it is.
1: Um, that sounds terrible. <laughs> um,
0: it's a new sweater. I like the sweater.
1: Mm, sorry, buddy. Um, anyway, oh, wow. yeah, cults are weird. Um, they are fascinating. We're not
0: usually asked to join them.
1: We're not usually asked to join them. So we um, don't
0: know what we would do.
1: We don't know what we do. But in... I do know
0: that if I was in a basement and people started passing out literature about aliens, I would not.
1: No, but it. that isn't how it starts. Again, like you usually don't start with the creepy. It's how
0: Heaven Ga- Heaven's Gate opened with aliens. All I'm saying, they got a lot of people in there. And it was a mass suicide. and It's very sad and tragic. And... Um, then in the documentary about Heaven's Gate, they try to pull the Monica Lewinsky thing where they're mm-hmm. like shaming Saturday Night Live or Mr. Show for doing sketches about how absurd Heaven's Gate is. And they're like, and we had just lived through this horrible experience. And then I turn on the TV and I'm watching Saturday Night Live and they're making fun of us. They're making fun of what we went through. And I'm like, right, right. But you did join a cult led by people named T and Doe. And T and Doe told you that together the two of them would take you to heaven in a spaceship if you killed yourself. Um, But then Doe died early. So it was just T. And he had to then explain new mythology about why one of them died early. Um, And you all had to wear identical sneakers when you killed yourself. Like, I understand that people died and it was tragic. But I don't think... I don't think you should shame people for hearing that and going, "Well, that's crazy."
1: Well, so th- then that's something that I've been gathering while watching this um, docu series is that, yes, there is some objective humor in a lot of the beliefs, um, right. and I don't think that there's it's wrong to make jokes about. I think if we don't make jokes about it, then
0: people will take it so seriously. And it makes these people, it's the same thing as Hitler, where it's like they make him magical by talking about like Hitler was the greatest public speaker in the world. Sometimes even a Jew would hear the speech of Hitler and turn to his side. Like that's, they build up this mythology around Hitler. And then you, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, things where we make fun of Hitler and we turn him into a joke. Uh, he would still have like a mythological power and he does for a lot of people Right, and I feel the same way about cults where it's like if cults are this deadly serious thing you are not allowed to laugh at the concept of um, then when someone approaches you and tells you about like this magical world you can get to if you die and mm-hmm. you do whatever I say, your your first thought will not be, wait a minute, this is like that, that Saturday thing. Night Live right. sketch where those idiots are wearing the shoes. Like y- Your reaction is, oh, this is deadly serious. Anyone can fall under the spell because these people are so powerful and their speeches are so magic. And it's like, no, that's a guy with dead eyes right. ranting directly into camera about the new paradise. Right. And if you make the new paradise ridiculous... Hopefully people don't fall fall for for it.
1: It, Exactly. And so I I don't see a problem with joking about the cult. The thing is once you had to meet that with reconciling the fact that the people who join cults who fall into this are victims. And they're human beings. They are human beings who were manipulated and brainwashed by.
0: But arguably so is a Hitler youth.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like those
0: kids in the Hitler Youth were not really Nazis. They didn't believe any of that. They were just told that was true, you know, and then they made them shoot dogs or whatever.
1: Right. And I'm not saying that the Hitler Youth were, you know, they did good things, but in a sense they are victims. They are victims. They are responsible for what they did. Yeah. But- You know, they were victims and and so are all of the members of Scientology. They're victims of. yeah,
0: And especially with Scientology, because most the average Scientologist is not being made to do anything bad, really, besides giving money to the organization, which, again, is a thing that victimizes them probably more More than than it does to spread evil, because Scientology doesn't exactly have rapidly growing. Membership, their membership is famously kind of insular and they have trouble it's getting new people. it been shrinking. But that's
1: what's crazy is when you're involved in Scientology, you don't know that. They tell you
0: there are, there are
1: millions rise. of Scientologists yeah. and that's just not true.
0: It's just John Travolta and Tom, <coughs> Tom Cruise. Cruise. Does it, am I a bad person because I refuse to stop seeing Mission Impossible movies because they're the best movies that we're making right now.
1: They are the best movies we're making right now. And I don't think that makes us bad because Tom Cruise – again like so the thing
0: is he is a victim at some level he is
1: a victim a hundred percent and i'm not saying tom cruise doesn't know about any of the things that are going on right but again what i've learned is that celebrities in scientology versus the average person or the sea org members which right. are like
0: the the people on the boat
1: <laughs> the people who are separated from their families they, they are treated entirely differently yeah. the sea org people are the people who have to literally escape from the cult from as like a military to, base yes or, yeah. as opposed to other regular Scientologists pack who can up one quit. day
0: with just your trumpet and sad memories of your son, and you just gotta go cross country.
1: <laughs> it's true, that it's insane. Like, it, the things that I've learned are they feel straight out of like a movie, like, yeah. you wouldn't think that this was happening here, and it is.
0: I was watching, there's a YouTuber named Todd in the Shadows. This is not an obscure YouTuber, this is a relatively <laughs> popular guy. Mm-hmm. He talks about music. Um, You know, he reviews uh, the the pop songs of the day or whatever, but then he also does these two really fun like side shows on his channel one of them is called one hit wonderland where he talks about one hit wonders and the other one is called train records where he talks about the record that ruins an artist's career mm-hmm. and some of them are, you know, just like there's this really terrible album Cher did with her husband at the time um, called uh, it's it's called like all man and woman. Because he, the allman, and he married Cher, Uh. and so they're all man and one. It's just a terrible album the two of them did. Like both of them had careers after that, but like it's a, it ruined them as a couple and a band is usually the kind of thing. So he did one about Edgar Winter, who was a beloved. Famous musician and albino. Uh, he he did the hit song Frankenstein, which is that lengthy instrumental. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Edgar Winner, if you've heard the name, it doesn't matter. But he was a very well-respected, beloved musician. And he got inducted into Scientology, mm-hmm. I believe, because of his wife. Uh, they, they were inducted into Scientology. And so L. Ron Hubbard, uh, while he was still alive, mm-hmm. had written these this giant book Uh, That was like this terrible science fiction. It's not Battlefield Earth. There's another one. (laughs) I think it's called Mission Earth or something. But it's, uh, it's this terrible science fiction book he wrote. And Edgar Winter composed an album based on the book and by the time the album came out l ron hubbard had long since been dead but the process of composing this was basically l ron hubbard while he was alive would like hum weird shit into a tape recorder and mail it to edgar winter and so then edgar winter had to turn it into a real album and like it's all every song is named after like characters from the book and stuff and um Edgar Winter's kind of not a Scientologist. I mean, he's I believe he's passed away quite recently, but um is he dead? I haven't looked into it. <laughs> Point is, Edgar Winter eventually got out of Scientology kind mm-hmm. of, uh, but he wrote this horrible album all about like the works of the genius who created this uh, this cult that they were in. Um and it just seems to me like I don't know. Like, is that any worse than when George Harrison started putting Hare Krishna in music? Or is it like, because, you know, I mean, that's a more peaceful philosophy, I guess.
1: I mean, they, as far as I know, they weren't abusing children. Um,
0: or locking anyone in rooms.
1: Locking people in, in I, metal storage containers, right. essentially. Yes. Um, but
0: Edgar Winter probably didn't know about that.
1: No, and that's the thing is that a lot of the celebrities don't. um, So you can absolutely still see Mission Impossible. I'm Um, just
0: confused about – because some of them – have to make things that pr- like are for Scientology. Scientology like obviously there's that horrible video from like 2004 of Tom Cruise being like, it changed my life. It's wonderful. It's yeah. great. He's got the big metal on his chest or whatever. Yeah.
1: David Miscavige is the nicest man he's yeah, ever met. That yeah,
0: Like that's obviously bad. Mm-hmm. But like what I'm talking about is like John Travolta made a movie of Battlefield Earth, which mm-hmm. is the L. Ron Hubbard novel. Like he did that. And then like Edgar Winter is like writing an album based on an L. Ron Hubbard book. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't Tom Cruise, the most famous of the Scientologists because like no offense to John Travolta but like you lost but like the most famous of the Scientologists why isn't he out there doing like movies based on L. Ron Hubbard books
1: um well one I think that Tom Cruise is
0: a real movie star star. (laughs) didn't (laughs) want to say it but
1: you know he's I think they and this is totally based on nothing my personal opinion would be that I think there the appeal that he brings to Scientology is, is that, that he, looks normal? he seems normal, normal, right? It's not that he's obsessed with Scientology and he's shoving it down everyone's throat. He's this pretty cool celebrity who's just a Scientologist, yeah. you know, and his kids are Scientologists, and he's like been the divorced, Bart Simpson lady. yeah, yeah. She well, yeah. Jordan found that out, and he was like, "Really? Yeah." We yeah. but they need help. All of these people need help.
0: Is Nancy what it Cartwright seems to. very nice
1: they're nice people they believe they they're doing good nice. yeah. they believe they're doing good things they believe they're helping the world Um, and that's what what's sad do think she sang
0: the Bartman do you think she was already in it by then or do you think it was after Probably after. do you think they were like listen we just heard the Bartman you know Michael Jackson's the Bart Man.' <laughs> you gotta come join us Nancy <laughs> and she was like ooh I don't know and they were like come on the Simpsons has a lot of jokes about cults and like how they're weird and crazy. And I guess she never objects to those. So I don't well, know. Well, you
1: she... don't believe you're in a cult if you're in Scientology. That's true. You think it's a religion and you look down on people that make fun of it. It is interesting that someone in... oh, I'm sorry. who is involved in such a parody thing would be it like Because the a guy from South Park quit. Right. Well the, s-
0: Isaac Hayes who played the chef. Supposedly
1: quit. he quit. So what happened was Isaac Hayes quit South Park. Um, he after played they chef did the Scientology. after they did the Scientology episode and, you know, he, it was because, you know, the statement he had given was that he, you know, that South Park doesn't respect religions and that they should be, you know, treating religions with more respect than this. And, um, which made no sense because South Park made fun of every religion yeah. up until then. Um, and, but then as soon as they made fun of Scientology, this came out. Um, But it turns out like everyone was like, what the heck? Like he had said he was quitting the show and it had nothing to do with that. And then later in the press, it came out. The statement came out that he supposedly made. And then years later, it turns out that his son said, my father, that is not my father. Like my father had had a stroke and was not able to
0: To speak or or make
1: his decisions for himself. And it was a representative of Scientology that made that statement for him.
0: Um, well, that's really crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: And so then, um, you know, th- this came out in an interview years later with Trey Matt and um, Isaac Hayes' son. And I mean, it's just crazy. It, yeah. it really is. And they were so confused because they were like, we thought everything was fine. And then all of a sudden you're coming out and like saying these things and they're like, what happened? Like, and they could tell he wasn't himself. And like, it it was confusing. Because
0: he had, had a stroke. Yeah. yeah. Um, that really sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sucked either way. If it was true, the first version would have
1: been. Right. Either way, it it sucked. But yeah, yeah, so I don't know how Nancy Cartwright's been allowed to do it. But what was interesting when the last episode I watched of this docu-series was I didn't know how long John Travolta has been a Scientologist. I guess it came out in the news sometime when I was in like middle or high school. I feel like it
0: was the 2000s we all knew because he did Battlefield Earth. I guess, yeah, it was like a
1: thing people were talking about. it. So I thought he had just become one. Or maybe it was after his son died. There was something in the John news. John Travolta
0: has had an incredibly hard life. He really has. I again, I not to like paint sympathy for a millionaire member of a cult who's done a lot to promote it, but he is like a guy who's had a hard life, and a, I mean, look, he's incredibly successful, so it must be working for him. Like, well,
1: that's know, that's what they want you to. They think, always want is you to that go, like, you know he's been incredibly successful. It has to be because of Scientology. Yeah. Um. But so John Travolta. Um. He, I thought it was more recent he had been in it, but it turns out that he was a Scientologist when he made Pulp Fiction. And I know that it was this long he had been a Scientologist. And it was like 94, Yeah. So they had reviewed the script with him. Oh, yeah. And the guy, um, Mike Rinder, was like, I don't think you should make this film.
0: There's too much foot stuff.
1: There is. Well, no, it was. <laughs> and
0: slurs. It,
1: you're a heroin addict, right? Um, you're killing people, all these things that are not good. And he said, I don't think you should do this. And obviously John Travolta did not listen. So obviously the celebrities have some leeway. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, I know like Jehovah's Witness is a similar thing. If you are a Jehovah Witness and you are an actor, you, sh- you can't be performing yeah. things that are not.
0: I don't know the difference between a Jehovah's Witness and a Mormon.
1: I used to really know the difference. And then at some point my brain combined yeah. them um, they are different.
0: I because I feel like they both show up at the door, and I think that's maybe what confuses me. Yes. I think one of them's in a tie when they do it, and the other one's just in clothes.
1: <laughs> um, the Mormons are in the, the ties. The Book of Mormon. 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 Hello. I'm not um, a singer. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, like I know AJ Cook was in a, a decent amount of hot water for. She plays JJ on Criminal Minds. She's a Jehovah's Witness, and she sh- was really – she shouldn't have been in the show because it's rape, murder, all these horrible things.
0: And like Mandy Patinkin used to yes, say. Yes, <laughs> and um,
1: she remained on. So you there is Mandy some Patinkin. leeway <laughs>
0: – I think Randy is a Scientologist.
1: Randy Matankin is definitely not a Mandy Scientologist. He's the
0: oldest most Jewish man. I've but heard. his
1: wife totally seems like she could have been in that. She's fun. She's I love so her. fun. Love her. But she seems like she could have gone for that in the Again, the early Scientology 60s. people,
0: it is like when you meet like a youth pastor. Yes. They're just like they have so much energy and they're so nice. And I guess that's the point is like yeah. they put the attractive fun people out front. Like Nancy Cartwright, Nancy Cartwright. Oh, she got in trouble once because she did this voice mail that was left on the messages of all the people who signed up for the Scientology thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if you like showed interest or whatever, they held a big rally or some big Scientology meeting and she left a voicemail, like a pre-recorded thing that Mm -hmm. they would put on everyone's machine where she was like, in the Bart Simpson voice, she was like, hey man, it's Bart. And then she went, no, I'm just kidding. It's me, Nancy Cartwright. Come on down to the Scientology meeting. It's gonna be, like back in the book, it'll be great. And Fox was like, you can't do that. That's not allowed. And then Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons, had when someone asked him, like, hey, what's that about? And he went, I don't That's her voice. I guess she could do what she wants. I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess you can't,
1: like, stop someone from doing a voice. But it is odd I when, guess. like, it's, it, like, it is your character. But it's.
0: Like, someone owns Bart Simpson. Yeah it be one thing if she just did the voice, but she did say, say words, I'm <laughs> Bart
1: <Simpson. laughs> um, but like, I. I. wouldn't get in trouble if I went on. It was like, hey, I'm Bart Simpson because I'm clearly not. Um, it is complicated.
0: But it does then appear as if Fox is endorsing a particular religion, which they does. can never do. Um, except on Fox News where they, you know, do what they do.
1: I can't believe it was cast as a religion. Yeah. Um,
0: Oh, speaking of moral problems, Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a Simpsons episode I really like from that middle period of the Simpsons where Mm -hmm. everybody's like, it's not as good anymore. Yeah, I love that time because that is the time when no one making the Simpsons really cared. Mm -hmm. So every episode is just kind of like as many jokes as they can think of, and everyone's really mean. Like they'll just like it's it's really a mean time for the Simpsons. (laughs) I really like watching them. But there's one where uh, Homer and Bart go to the Super Bowl. And because the Super Bowl was on Fox that year, I guess, Rupert Murdoch appears in the episode. <laughs> and so it's like, I like this episode a lot. But like, ah oh, evil man is in it. And normally when they have Rupert Murdoch in the show, it is someone making fun of him, doing like a dumb accent and portraying him as an idiot. And then like this one time he plays himself. And it's just like, I don't want you here. i do not the Fox <laughs> News guy. I don't want the owner of the New York Post. The newspaper that slandered Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? No, thank you.
1: Well, so I think that's a great transition to our second topic for
0: today. (laughs) That's the riff that plays whenever Spider-Man comes on stage.
1: So, um, as while I've been digging deeper into Scientology, Danny has been digging deeper into a unique experience of ours from childhood, which is Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, the musical. I
0: was 11... No, I might have only been 10. Uh, 10 or 11... um, my whole family me my siblings my mother my father my and our two grandmothers not lesbians but Grandmothers from each side of our family. They, we all went to see Spider Man: Turn Off the Dark.
1: I forgot they came with us.
0: And we ate at the Bubblegum Shrimp Company.
1: I ate there after the Book of Mormon the other day. I took Jordan for the first time. Why? It was absolutely. Great. It was Why? so great. You're
0: disgusting and wrong. There's Why? not an edible thing in that place. That That's is a grease so trap. not true. That is a grease trap theme to American propaganda. Whoops, the hippie's back.
1: Jesus Christ. Wait, <laughs> I'm rewriting Elton John's
0: hit "The Bitch Is Back" to <laughs> be about anytime I do a liberal leftist. <laughs> Uh, to be clear, not liberal, but leftist, uh, just to be clear, because th- that's something leftists really care about is that you don't call them a liberal because they're very different. Because of the Christ. neoliberals that took over this country during the Reagan administration. Don't turn away from me. Uh, <laughs> anyway.
1: Look at me when I kill you. Um,
0: <laughs> um, I want to see the light leave your eyes.
1: Bubblegum's is great. Harry
0: Potter so hard to the enjoy. The idea,
1: the great concept of having a sign that says, stop, I need you is great.
0: It is. It and the food
1: was fantastic. I had I, some delicious mahi-mahi mahi and we're we're not not joined on some great salmon.
0: You're one layer of irony away from where I am, which is that nothing matters and everything's bad.
1: Oh, fuck you, Danny. And
0: then above me is one other step where we start enjoying it again. So
1: I'm, I'm like, enjoying ah, it.
0: Let's eat at the Bubba Gump. Sometimes it's so stupid. You just like
1: chicky stuff. It's like, you know. Kitchy. <laughs> kitchy stuff. You said chicky yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I realized it was wrong. That's okay. It's fun. You know, it's, <laughs> Like, what the hell? Like, why is there a fucking Forrest Gump themed restaurant? What other movie themed restaurants are there? But we've got Forrest Gump. Give me two it's hours off of movie
0: themed restaurant. Um, in New Zealand, you can go to. Nope. Wow.
1: We're talking America.
0: Okay, because I was going to say there's the Hobbit Talkin attractions America. where they have the sets from The Lord of the Rings still standing. Outside of a Disney have World
1: Universal, where are you just getting?
0: Even at Disney World and Universal, there are very few restaurants that are themed to one movie. It's nah, usually a Pinocchio's
1: franchise. Pinocchio's Village
0: House. Pinocchio's
1: Village House. Um, Gaston's Tavern. Gaston's Tavern. Be BR Our Guest. Yes.
0: But it's funny that there are two eateries themed to Beauty and the Beast and they're sort of next to each other.
1: Well, Gaston's Tavern is more of like uh, drinks and it's like- It's a quick service, right? But even, it's like scones or some shit, But you, you know? can't
0: get beer at Be Our Guest, can you?
1: Yeah, you can. You can? Yeah.
0: I need to book an appointment. I believe so. I mean, a reservation? you can get alcohol. You don't call it an appointment. No, yeah. It's- I know <laughs> it's- you can get a nice glass of wine at B.R.
1: Star Wars. There's the cantina. Star there's, Wars. Um, Star Wars I guess cantina. that's a franchise. It's not a singular
0: thing. No, movie. that's what I'm talking about. Is like, and I understand there's like Bell's Enchanted World, but that doesn't count. Those yeah, are like no, cash and um, you You know,
1: Cinderella's Royal Table. Yes.
0: Like Cinderella is a movie. Star mm-hmm. Wars is like, because especially because the Star Wars restaurants are all themed to like, this takes place during episode seven. Like but, they're, yeah. they're explicitly franchise based. Whereas like Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, the, the direct yeah. to video movies are based on the movie. So is this restaurant. Um, does, is there a Little Mermaid restaurant? There used to be one in California Adventure. There is not a Little Mermaid okay. restaurant. Because um, I'm thinking of the Little Mermaid area and how they built Prince Eric's castle and it does look just like the movie. It's fantastic. It's beautiful.
1: It's a great then photo icon. And how
0: they fully cheaped out on the Beast's castle and everyone talks about how that model doesn't work with the Force Perspective. But how they went all in on like there's a Beauty and the Beast tavern with a full size Gaston statue, which, by the way, doesn't make sense. Not only because I don't think Gaston owns that restaurant, but also because why would you build a bronze statue after it's been revealed that that guy sucks?
1: I don't think that the townspeople ever thought that he sucked.
0: Is he dead in the lore of the restaurant?
1: Um, Is it a
0: memorial tavern?
1: Not Not that I know of.
0: Because you can meet It disturbs meet him. me to see you, Gaston. Because I you're have already this theory dead. that no
1: one really in Disney movies dies in the concept of Disney World. I'm pretty sure that. No one
0: says no to Gaston. Sorry. Like,
1: Mother Gothel is not dead. She. Ursula is
0: always around.
1: Not necessarily around, they're somewhere.
0: No, I mean, like, Ursula, like, constantly is popping up in Disney World things. Like, when, like, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, which they closed. Yeah. The card game where they had the animation oh, yes, on yes, the yes. windows. By the way, some of the animators who work on that have been posting little pencil tests of their animation. Very happy to see it. Um, John Pomeroy, a, a classically trained art teacher? Uh, no. Uh, but... Uh, Ursula, like, in that attraction, they take the time to show Hades getting the villains from the underworld. He goes to hell, mm-hmm. and he says, Ursula, you're explicitly dead in canon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for the most part, if there's, like, phantasmic or something, or there's a, a new show, they don't wrestle with, like, oh, Ursula's dead. Right. How do we get her back? Or, like, the Beast is just always the Beast, like, you can't meet the prince. Right. You right. always have to meet the beast. Yeah, anyway. Um, why are we talking about Disney World?
1: Well, we were talking about Spider-Man. <coughs> the dark. And Bubblegums. and, bubble Gums, and theme restaurants. Movie-themed restaurants. So, t- continue our trip to... Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark.
0: Restaurants, there's so few. Uh, okay, so Bubba Gump's, Trim Company, whatever. So 2011, we go to see Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. We saw the original version of it.
1: Well, it was still in previews when we saw it. Actually, yes,
0: it, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark was in previews. They they had several hundred preview performances or something because they like that. could not
1: get the show fucking right.
0: What happened was the Spider-Man musical began in like 2005, and the original producer of the show wanted, you know, Bono and the Edge to do the music, Bono and the Edge from U2. And Julie Tamor, the director of Lanking. Molly just motioned a guitar to sing uh, to symbolize u With U2. some
1: nice headbanging.
0: Uh yeah. So the the they wanted Julie Tamor, who did Lanking, to direct uh, this play. Again, this is around two thousand five. And so the original producer of this musical goes to the apartment of The Edge and The Edge is about to sign the papers. He goes, oh, let me get a pen. So he walks over to his kitchen to get a pen. He comes back in the room. The original producer is on the floor having a seizure and he died shortly thereafter. <gasps> so the the start of <laughs> Spider-Man the musical before a word has been written, it opens with a death.
1: It's an omen, a true I cannot fucking wait. omen.
0: I cannot wait to be a millionaire and to produce the terrible biopic about the making of the Spider-Man musical based of course on The Song of Spider-Man by Glenn Berger which is the tell-all book he wrote uh, he was the guy they hired to write the script with Julie Taymor and um, he was a successful playwright, he had di- he had done the show Under the Lentil, uh, but He's he did over a hundred episodes of children's television. He won two Emmys for his work on Fetch with Ruff Ruffman on oh PBS. Oh my God, Fetch with Ruff Ruffman! Right, but not the credit that makes you think this guy's got to write Julie Taymor's The Spider Man. So Julie Taymor has a guy writing with her, uh, a filmmaker. He quits because he doesn't understand what Julie Taymor's talking about. She fires him, basically. Glenn Berger is brought in. Uh, the initial test was, hey, Julie Tamor has written down what she wants to happen. Can you write a scene and show us what you're writing is like? He wrote, like, three pages about how he thinks it's stupid to write a scene as a test, and that got him an interview with Julie Tamor, <laughs> The theater! Oh, I love it. So this guy is there from the beginning of Spider-Man till the end. Bono and the Edge leave and come back because they have to do tours, They're really only there whenever someone needs the music rewritten. Julie Taymor, she's there all the time, but she's doing crazy shit. She starts yelling at people. She's stressed out. Glenn Berger is constantly being asked to rewrite the Spider-Man, but he can't change anything because he keeps trying to tell Julie Taymor, hey, this isn't working. This chunk right here doesn't work. And anytime he brings it up to her, she screams at him like, I will fire you. Stop trying to change my Spider-Man. Everything goes horribly wrong, but in the beginning, people were loving this. The reason they had 60 million dollars to make a Spider-Man musical, even though a Broadway musical, on average, 16 million, 10 million, their, their budgets are not high. An expensive Broadway musical is 30 million. That's a lot for a musical. Spider-Man cost 60 million dollars and cost a million dollars a week uh, to run. So like to get everyone in the room and right. get everyone pushing the buttons and checking the wires, million dollars a week. That was once it was running. But the, so they they had this workshop in Los Angeles where Bono and the Edge had written some songs. They had a, a, most of the script. They did a reading with the guy from Across the Universe, Julie Taymor's Beatles movie. He was singing the Spider Man parts. Um, g- it goes great. Everybody loves it. Then they do a flying workshop in LA where they've got all the wires and stuff so they can do all the special effects of the Spider-Man and the Green Goblin, who in this version is the guy who plays the Grinch, but he's in a cricket suit. Uh, I don't mean the sport. I mean he looks – he has like padding on his legs like a cricket (laughs) and a mohawk. So uh, they have a a big wire test in LA. goes great. Everybody's like, this is going to be the best musical we've ever seen. We're all investing all the money ever made, $60 million. They run out of money in 2007. So Bono and the Edge call this guy uh, who used to promote concerts and used to like get the money for you 2 to put on shows. He raises more money. They're back. Rehearsals are back on. We're in the 2008, 2010 times. Spider-Man moves into the Broadway theater the Foxwoods Theater, they move in because you can't rehearse this show in an empty room Right. because the show is like the set is constantly unfolding and there's pits in the stage and buildings are rising out of nothing and you're attached to wires and you're flying and these big things might hit the actors you have to rehearse in the place where you're going to do it. The problem is, it's very expensive to rent a Broadway theater, especially when no one's coming in at any time. So eventually, things cost $60 million, and they say, fuck it, we gotta start making some money. So they just start letting people watch these rehearsals. The first preview of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark lasted for four hours. At one point, a woman stood up and screamed, I feel like we're guinea pigs. (laughs) We're watching a damn dress rehearsal. The audience begins booing, either at her or at the show. Nobody can say for certain. The musical ends. There's just no clapping. It was a real rough time for these Spider-Man guys. Everyone's trying their best. Nobody is, nobody is trying to hurt anyone with the Spider-Man musical. They all just want to make art. And Julie Taymor wants to make a point. She wants to prove that Spider-Man has a direct connection to Greek mythological heroes. Why are we so fascinated by people who have the powers of animals? That goes back to Arachne, the Greek myth of the Spider-Woman. Why are we fascinated by this? Why do we love stories about people who can do things we never could, yet have human foibles like Hercules and his failure to save his wife Megara? That definitely did not come across. Here's the thing, Julie Taymor Also wanted there to be a tap number where Arachne, I don't know if you remember this from when we saw it, but Arachne has spider women, henchmen, who are on the stage, and they all have eight legs, and all eight legs have high heels on them, and they come out, and they're wearing fishnets, and they do, like, stretches, like, sensual
1: I don't remember that. I remember them dangling from the ceiling on the ropes, like, pink.
0: Well, they also, they, they weave... Like a loom. Yeah, Yeah, that's the opening of the show. That's really good.
1: And you shall rise above. That's the song.
0: And so um, Julie Taymor's got some conflicting visions because some of her visions are very grand and artistic and they're not quite coming together. But then also some of her vision is very tacky. Yes. And chintzy. And all the actors, Patrick Page, who played the Green Goblin, in an interview was saying, well... I couldn't think of anything like this. If I was in a meeting when they were making The Lion King, I would have said, Julie, why do we have to have these big, stupid animal masks? Can't we just wear a wig like cats? Or maybe we do the mask for a little bit and then you get to see the actor's face. And and if he played Scar on Broadway, which is why he was bringing that up. And he was like, so I couldn't think of that. I couldn't think of any of these things. Who am I to come in and say, hey? This is weird.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and that's what I'm kinda wondering is what the hell happened to Julie Tamar because she was, you know, renowned for The Lion King, mm-hmm. pretty renowned for Across the Universe. Some yeah. some people don't like it. I think it's a as good as you could do for what they were kinda kind of. She going does for.
0: exactly what she wants in Across the Universe. Yes. Whether or not you like that movie. Personally, I I enjoy that movie. I love that much. movie. I think it's a very good movie. But I understand why people hate it, and
1: she did fucking Frida. So, like, what
0: she did, Frida, which is one of the greatest, one
1: films. of my favorite movies of one all. One of the greatest time. movies
0: that an art teacher will show you when they're not feeling very good.
1: Oh, I don't know what channel it was on. One night, I was just yeah. here and I just watched it.
0: She did greatest a performance film by Selma version Hayek. of Titus. Uh, well, the movie was called Titus. It's the Shakespeare play Titus, mm-hmm. uh, and and. God, Titus Andronicus, I don't know why I couldn't remember Andronicus, but uh, with Anthony Hopkins and it's like this crazy, like it's in the Roman Colosseum and everybody's in like blue kind of samurai armor and there's screaming and it's like a crazy over the top, Alan Cumming is in it. Alan Cumming was playing the Green Goblin in Spider-Man, but has ne- there's no version of it where he is there. He-, he was never seen by the public because by the time they were opening The previews, his contract was up, so he left. Because it was, and you can tell because the Green Goblin makeup looks like Like Alan Alan Cumming.
1: Cumming. Oh, 100%. I didn't know that until you just said that. No, I showed our
0: friend, I showed my friend Chitty a clip from the when they were on David Letterman eventually to promote the musical. And he was like, Is that Alan Cumming? And I was like, No, that's a mask of Alan Cumming on a different guy (laughs) because it was supposed to be him and he dodged a bullet.
1: So, now, when do the injuries, maybe deaths, come no in? No deaths.
0: No deaths. I
1: know we always joke about deaths. I couldn't remember if it was real or so not. But where the injuries come in
0: was there was this guy who used to—I believe he still does—he was the theater critic for the New York Post. If you don't know the New York Post, it's not the New York Times. New York Times is a newspaper. The New York Post is a rag that Rupert Murdoch uh, owns. <laughs> it's it's kind of a Fox News ish. Paper that is published. And so their theater critic, this guy named Michael Riddell, he is asked to write very dramatic attention getting headlines. So when Spider Man ran out of money back in like 2007, he wrote these big articles about like itsy bitsy funding problems. Spider Man not going to (laughs) happen. You know, behind the scenes drama at Spider Man, like all these kind of inflammatory things. He Begins to feel personally attacked by this Spider-Man running in previews because (laughs) critics don't review a show when it's in previews. They review a show opening night or right right before opening night Um, because the logic being that if it's in previews, it's not the show. It's a work in progress he begins to feel personally attacked by this. So he and another theater critic decide, we're just gonna go and review the preview. We're gonna do it. We're gonna be crazy. (laughs) So they just go and buy a ticket to the preview of Mm Spider-Man and just review this unfinished version of the musical. Now, would a finished version have gotten better reviews? No, No. but it's still not fair to show up to a preview and then write in your review. Like, they had to stop at one point to attach a wire. Like, that happens. It's a preview. When you and I went to see it as children... We got to the climax of the play, the climax of the play, which in the original version is Spider-Man is about to fight the spider goddess Arachne, the Spider-Woman. She's dangling from the ceiling in her spider costume. He's down on the floor in a blazer, which represents the Spider-Man outfit. um, And there's a big web behind Mm -hmm. him. It's like a big net. I can so clearly remember this. It was a striking play. Visually beautiful.
1: No, this is in my head because of what happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, so what happens is Arachne says, I don't remember the dialogue, but it's something like, I'll get you, Spider-Man. Come and fight me. And he goes, you're going down, Arachne. I'm going to get you. I'm Spider-Man. That was my dad, Tom Holland, because yeah. I don't do a, <laughs> I do not do a Reeve Carney. Um, actually, we saw the other guy, because like yes. two nights a week, because Reeve Carney had to do so much crazy shit as Spider-Man that they, like two nights a week, would have someone else do it. So, uh, then the actor playing Spider-Man does like a jumping pose <laughs> and he stands there and then a voice comes over to the PA and says something like, we're going to hold now. Uh, like,
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please yeah. wait.
0: <laughs> and so then uh, a stagehand walks out, attaches a big set of cables to Spider-Man like, okay, yeah, here's your, yep, okay, we're putting you up, you're attached. Okay, go ahead. And so then they go, and we're going to start the play again. And then she goes, I'll come get me, Spider-Man. And he goes, "I'm, I'm you're going down. And then they hoist him up in the wires. And we realized that the technical problem was not an accident or something. The technical problem was just, oh, nobody put Spider-Man in his harness yeah. today. <laughs> oh, we missed a cue. And, uh, you know, so that that would happen a lot. And that was complained about in the reviews and everything. Um, so so eventually, th- this is all chaos. It, it an actor is very badly injured. His name was Chris Tierney and he was one of the stunt Spider-Man because there's like five or six guys playing Spider-Man throughout the show when he has the mask on so that they can do the flying and stuff. Whenever the mask is off, of course it is the guy playing Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. Um, which is not to say he didn't have to do stunts, because he did. Right, Cause we
1: saw him put into this harness.
0: <laughs> even when he takes his bow, he had to run up the entire yeah. like set of stairs to get to the balcony, not the balcony, to get to a catwalk so that he could lower down and do the Spider-Man kiss, because that was his bow. Right. Which seems like a lot to ask that guy to do after he's <laughs> just done a whole musical, but whatever. <laughs> so Spider-Man, uh, uh, this one guy playing Spider-Man, there's a part where, in the original version, the bridge... The Brooklyn Bridge rises from the stage. Mary Jane is dangling from it by her wrists. The Green Goblin is a cardboard cutout. He flies out of the wings with a knife. Spider-Man goes, Mary Jane, and he jumps off the bridge. And in this very famous accident, what happened was that that wire was not connected to anything. Wire didn't snap, as was widely reported. Nothing broke. What happened was nobody attached (laughs) Spider-Man to the floor. So this guy just fell 30 feet into a pit because there were big pits in the stage where they took out where the orchestra pit used to be and it's just a big hole. Um,
1: right, because there's a band playing on stage through the whole There's yeah, There's
0: a fake Bono and Edge off to the yes. side. Plus there's like horns and violins yeah. and stuff. But so he falls 30 feet. This guy is very badly injured. He lives, but he cracked his back. He cracked his skull. He cracked his shoulders, everything. Very badly injured. The other injuries were all very minor. Uh, something hit uh, TV Carpio, who was also in Across the Universe. I think she sings I Want to Hold Your Hand when they're like cheerleaders mm, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she was playing Arachne. I believe she got conked in the head by some scenery. That's bad. Uh, one of the guys playing Spider-Man broke his wrists one night doing yep. a flip, just landed on his wrists wrong, walked backstage to Isabel Keating, who played Aunt May, and she was like, hey, you okay? And he went, I think I broke my wrists yeah, I broke my wrist. And then they just kind of went off to a hospital. Uh, so, you know, there were injuries. There weren't that many.
1: No, there were. Th- that is more it is than what is happening in your after cuz Andy Samberg
0: would go out on Saturday night live and pretend to be a Spider-Man guy who yes. you know you'll flip for it and then he couldn't do a flip and he would joke about like actually all the villains are dead so now I have to fight these lame villains or whatever. It was you know it was exaggerated but it was true. Like this was yeah. a disaster happening and they did eventually fire Julie Taymor. Yes. Now, the writer of the book who was writing the script for the musical Glenn Berger, that was not his choice. But what happened was Bono, The Edge, and some of the producers were talking to him because they kept trying to tell Julie Taymor, there's no ending to this musical. Right. Because the original ending was that a web would lower from the ceiling and Spider-Man and Arachne would have their final battle above the audience. So you would be looking up at a giant web and they would crawl around it. Hmm,
1: That so does not work for the rear orchestra who cannot see the top of the theater.
0: So what happened was that this net arrived at the Foxwood Theater and like a net does, it started to tangle and catch on things. This cost a million dollars, this web, and it broke. So they couldn't use it. So when we saw it, they had like a curtain of a web behind them. Yes, I remember And they just kind of crawled around on that pretending to fight. There were times when that curtain wouldn't work. So Spider-Man and Arachne would just stand there and say the dialogue That was for the fight. So they would just say things like, you'll never defeat me. I'm going to get you. Let her go. You're done. Like (laughs) that, just standing there pretending to fight. (laughs) So Glenn Berger kept telling Julie Tamar, like, there's no ending to the play. Nothing happens. It just stops. We have to do this. And that was when she had her big breakdown and she yelled at him. Uh, And so then uh, uh, there was this plan among the producers which they called Plan X. Plan X was not to fire Julie Taymor. Plan X was we're going to take the finale of Act 1 where Spider-Man fights the Green Goblin. We're going to take the Act 1 finale and we're going to put it at the end of the play. So Spider-Man will have this big fight at the end of the play. Mm -hmm. An ending to a musical. Um, That was Plan X. By the time they began to put that plan into action, the producers had decided to fire Julie Tate. She was off the project. She was gone. And they brought in some random guy to replace her. Glenn Berger and another writer then sat in a room uh, and just didn't leave until they had rewritten the entire play. They got rid of all these characters. When you and I saw it, it was about – like the musical was about these kids writing a Spider-Man story. Yes. If you remember them. There's these nerds. Yes. They were called a geek chorus, like a Greek chorus. Yes, a geek
1: chorus. I remember them.
0: And they were writing a Spider-Man fanfic. Yes. And this woman – I don't know if she was their age or if she was a teacher.
1: It's unclear. But she
0: was she was the only girl. Yeah. She was the Julie Taymor with these, these men who think they know their comic books. Mm-hmm. And she was the Julie Taymor coming in. And they were like, okay, you can write with us, but you can't make up any new characters. And so then in her first – the first thing this woman says is, Peter Parker's singing about arachne. Yeah. And they're like, arachne, and I will never forget. She says something like Arachne uh, is mentioned in Ultimate Spider-Man issue number something, something, something. Which as a kid I thought was weird because I was like, Ultimate Spider-Man? Was this Ultimate? Are we doing Ultimate Spider? Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man's different. Ultimate Spider-Man doesn't because as a kid, that was just a very different Spider-Man that I would read at the library. That's all. <laughs> so she mentions like arachne is in some Ultimate Spider-Man comic, so she's not making it up. So then we have the big arachne number where Peter's giving a report about Arachne. The plot of Spider-Man 1 happens. And when I say Spider-Man 1, I don't mean like, oh, the comic book happens. I mean the movie version of it happens. Right. Because he's not fighting any wrestler. He's fighting Bonesaw McGraw. (laughs) He doesn't go fight him just for money. He fights Bonesaw McGraw because he saw Flash Thompson give Mary Jane a car ride, and then he wants to buy a car, Right. which is the very specific plot mechanics of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, because Spider-Man in the comics did not know Mary Jane when he became Spider-Man, and Flash Thompson was not driving around a girl he had never met. Spider Man just wanted money, like, because he was poor. So, like, the very specific plot mechanics of Spider Man 1, which does give you the impression that they were like, we'll just do the movie. You don't have to read the comic, there's a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just do the movie version.
1: So, they totally know about this random Ultimate Spider Man issue. Totally. Does that exist?
0: I never checked. I, would l- I should I, check. You
1: should check. I, I should check so to curious. see if Arachne
0: is actually mentioned in that Spider Man or if that's just a thing they made up. But, it's really weird, but they also steal the thing from the movie of he produces the webs himself. The web shooters yes. are not in the musical, which yeah. is fine.
1: Which is part of why for years I you did not that. know that that was not standard for Spider-Man.
0: You know what I found out like this week is that the web shooters, they filmed parts of the Tobey Maguire movie with the web shooters And in 2001 at E3, which is like a video game convention, Mm -hmm. they showed a a teaser for Spider-Man. They had shot very little footage of the movie. And in that teaser, they show the scene where Peter Parker's like webbing the soda cans to Mm -hmm. test out his powers, which is a great scene in that movie. (laughs) I I really love Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. Like... Uh, yeah. I have such... They're so good. They're fantastic. Like, if they had made one superhero movie ever, and it was Spider-Man from 2002, we'd <gasps> be fine. We don't need the Avengers. <laughs> God, I love Spider-Man. Anyway, but that in that scene, when they show it in this teaser trailer from 2001, he's using a web shooter. He has a mm-hmm. mechanical device on his wrist that there's a close-up of. There's also one shot where he's wearing because they just used like footage from a costume test. Right. There's two shots of the costume in the trailer. One where it is a black and red outfit that had been designed by Alex Ross, who's a famous comic book artist mm-hmm. that they did not use. Eventually they made a costume that looks, you know, like, like Spider-Man. Like yeah. yeah. Um and then the other shot is from a costume test where the eyes are huge and they're like touching each other in the middle and it looked like Broadway Spider-Man because it looked kind of chintzy. Uh anyway. <laughs> so they steal a lot of stuff from the movie. That all happens really quickly. By the end of act one, Norman Osborn has become the Green Goblin, but they've clearly watched Spider-Man 2 because they give him this wife named Emily and they talk about how they never had kids and how he thinks of Peter Parker as a son because he came to visit him once. And then he gets in a big machine that accidentally kills his wife, but he blames Spider-Man. And it's like, oh, that's the Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2 who has the wife, Rosie, that dies. Rosie, (laughs) Um, (laughs) the power of the sun. The palm of your hand. I love Alfred Molina. By the way, is not only the star of Frida by Julie yes. Taymor. He later was in her movie version of The Tempest. Interesting. So friends with Julie Taymor, Alfred Molina,
1: but was not asked to be in the musical. The, <laughs>
0: the palm of your hand. No, he was getting ready to do Fiddler on the Roof right after, right around the time he did Frida and Spider Man Two. He was in Fiddler mm. on the Roof anyway. Um, and now he's married to the president of Disney Animation, Jennifer Lee, who directed Frozen, which I suspect is why he's suddenly is the voice of the dad in Frozen 2, even though in Frozen 1 the dad has a different voice. Molly Spider-Man. It just we're gonna we're just gonna rush through the rest of Spider-Man. <laughs> he kills the Green Goblin at the end of Act One. Uh huh. Then Act Two, we get a montage of Spider Man killing the Sinister Six, mm-hmm. not defeating them explicitly they all die i see and so spider-man's like i did it i killed all the super villains (laughs) let me hang out with mary jane arachne is jealous she's like i want the spider-man for myself dance for me and so then all her spider women wear crazy shoes and they do a dance Um, and so then arachne has the power of illusion which i guess has always been her superpower she creates illusions, Spider-Man's out dancing with Mary Jane, he creates illusions, or she creates illusions of the Green Goblin and the Sinister Six. Back from the dead, I murdered them all, I swear. So then they, they take over the world, these supervillains. when Spider-Man is, is turning a blind eye. So then he says, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna be Spider-Man again. He puts on a blazer with the Spider-Man pattern on it to represent that he's wearing the tights because the big rule of the show, the first thing Julie Tamor said in any interview, Spider-Man will not sing in the mask. He will not sing when he's in the Spider-Man costume. Peter Parker sings, Spider-Man does not. So, which makes sense. And that was one of the first things people were making fun of her for. At the Tonys, before Spider-Man was on Broadway, Mm -hmm. Sean Hayes came out in a Spider-Man costume Mm -hmm. and jokingly sang, "Um, don't tell me not to live just sit and putter life's candy and the sun's a ball <laughs> of butter but he's wearing a spider-man mask so it just ends with him going <laughs> and the joke being that that's bad right. and then he whips off the mask and he goes i don't know how that spider-man guy's gonna sing in that mask but i'm not a genius like julie taymore and the audience claps because he was being mean but then he said a nice thing mm-hmm. so her big rule is that spider-man can't sing peter parker can sing but the the climax of, of the a musical, play, yeah, you know. <laughs> is that he decides, I'm going to be Spider-Man again. I'm going to save Mary Jane and I'm going to win everything. I better put my Spider-Man suit back on because I rejected being Spider-Man briefly. So to represent this, he just puts on a blazer with the Spider-Man pattern <laughs> while the stunt spider man are all behind him dancing, dancing. in I slow motion. Yeah. yeah, They all dance at once, all the spider yes. Um, Because there's a big song about, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be Spider-Man. But the one rule. Anyway, so then he, uh, the illusion Green Goblin throws Mary Jane off the bridge. That's when that guy hurt himself. In the show, if it goes correctly, Spider-Man jumps off the bridge and then suddenly he's in the world of Arachne in this web, which was supposed to be a million dollar special effect, but ended up right. being a curtain. Um, he kills Arachne and they rise above and the musical's over and they turn off the dark mm-hmm. and the musical's over. It, that's it. He does, At no point does he have to fight the green goblin again because the green goblin is just an illusion so once he kills Arachne, he goes away there is when he's in the blazer he swings his fists at big led screens which show pictures of the sinister six and then those pictures crumble away like illusions to represent that he's defeating the villains but the villains are also shown being all over the world in the video like electro <laughs> is under the eiffel tower the news report About the lizard is in Japanese and he's like running on the Tokyo bullet train. It's very confusing. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway. So what
1: did they rewrite when they rewrote this
0: then? So when they rewrite it, they have to get rid of Julie Tamor. The really crazy thing is that every morning the cast of Spider-Man would show up at 10 a.m. And until 6 p.m. they would rehearse this completely new version. And then at 7 p.m. they would start the show every night. The old version. I love this. Every day they were rehearsing and learning a new musical that had like a bunch of the same stuff but different. This is feeling very (laughs) cult-like. That's insane. Like they were working every day from like 10 a.m. to midnight rehearsing a show. So Mm -hmm. then they shut down the show for three weeks for complete rehearsals. Mm -hmm. They opened this new version. The new version, a lot simpler, but also sounds less interesting to me. A guy who likes crazy bullshit. (laughs) All of Act One is Peter Parker, the nerd. It still opens with a report about Arachne. There's just no people explaining it. There's no people writing the book. Mm-hmm. It opens with Peter Parker giving a report about Arachne and saying that he likes spiders. The bullies beat him up. They go on a field trip to Norman Osborn's laboratory where his he's-, he's, hey, he's You've re- heard
1: this story before. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> it takes all of Act One for him to become Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. The end of Act One- is a song called Picture This Now, where Green Goblin, where Norman Osborne becomes Green Goblin and Peter Parker kind of professes his love for Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. That's the end of Act One. So all of Act One has just been The Origins. Toby story. McGuire's first Spider Man movie, but weird and they're singing and at one point he webs up supervillains. They're not super villains, they're, they're just bank robbers with big costume heads of the Kingpin, mm. Hammerhead, and a generic mobster. So I guess Julie Taymor, like, was when she was making those masks, because they're in the original version, she sculpts the masks herself some of the time. Huh. I assume she was flipping through like old John Ramita Spider-Man comics and went, oh, Hammerhead, Kingpin, they look cool, I'll make masks. Right. And those are cool, and her sculptures are cool, and her puppeteering is cool, and the, the Japanese design of the costumes, which was nominated for a Tony, and then the costume designer died. Those are cool. There's a lot of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. But it is just all in service of this weird Spider-Man. So act one, they do the first Spider-Man movie. It ends with Norman turning into the Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. The beginning of act two is a new song called Freak Like Me Needs Company, which... At one point in the lyrics, he references, the Green Goblin references that this is a $65 million circus tragedy. But by the time they had rehearsed the show, they had gone over budget again. So Patrick Page goes, I'm a $65 million circus. Oh, by the way, the Green Goblin has a Southern accent for no reason. (laughs) I'm a $65 million circus tragedy actually more like 75 that's just a thing he says out loud it's not in the, <laughs> the lyrics it's not in the recording because again they had just spent more money so spider-man uh then he so then norman osborne rounds up all the scientists who quit his company mm-hmm. oscorp they all quit oscorp because oscorp ran out of money he rounds them up and forcibly turns them into mutants mm. which is how we get craven the hunter carnage Electro and Swarm and the original character, Swiss Miss. When Swiss Miss shows up in the first version, what happens is they go, we told you not to make up any new characters. (laughs) And it's during that montage where he murders the Sinister Six one by one, a woman made of knives comes out and goes, I'm Swiss Miss, she actually doesn't talk. (laughs) None of the villains ever speak except Green Goblin. I never thought about that till now, because they're all masks, anyway. (laughs) Uh, they go, Who's that? Who's Swiss Miss? And then the girl goes, I made her up. And she gets like a little bam on the guitar because she did it. Girl power. Yeah. <laughs> um so in the new version, Green Goblin just makes them all in a lab at one time. And they Spider-Man and Mary Jane are hanging out on a balcony. And they go, She's like, Peter, I know you usually follow Spider-Man around on his nightly patrol, but could you just stay with me this one time? And he goes, All right, I'll take one night off for you. And we then immediately the next scene is the villains taking over the the world. It's, it's a montage. It's called Sinisterio. And all the villains are walking in slow motion. And on the videos, you see them take over the world. And then the next scene is J. Jonah Jameson being like, Spider-Man's missing. Where were you last night, Parker? You didn't get any pictures of the supervillains. <laughs> and he goes, no TV, no radio, just me and my girl hanging out. And he goes, right, but the city's on fire. <laughs> and so then he goes, what? Ah no, he quits being (laughs) Spider-Man. He kills five of the villains or no, he kills all six of them. Again, murders. Murders. Murder. Spider-Man murders the villains one by one. This
1: is honestly really justifying the most recent Spider-Man movie.
0: Yes, he murders all (laughs) the villains. And then he goes to J. Jonah Jameson. He throws the costume at him. And he says something to the effect of like, Spider-Man gave that to me. Spider-Man quit being Spider-Man. And J. Jonah Jameson goes, I'm going to have this in a glass case with a plaque. And I'm like, wait a minute. That happens in Spider-Man 2? Except a homeless guy brings it to him. Anyway, but like. Uh, um, No,
1: that happens in Spider-Man 2.0.
0: You're right. Because the cut scene of J. Jonah Jameson in the. Is hilarious. (laughs) Beautiful. But so J. Jonah Jameson has Spider-Man's costume. Spider-Man quits. And then the Green Goblin has an extended comedy scene where he's trying to leave a threatening voicemail, but he keeps having to do the options on the menu. I shit you not, in the video, that is the most people react to this show. (laughs) Not when Spider-Man Green Goblin are flying. All the reaction is during this scene of Patrick Page. There's no set, because they can't build any new sets, so all the new scenes take place in the black void of theater. Oh, yes. He's just screaming at the voice thing like, J. Jonah Jameson, I got your next headline. Again, Southern. And then the voicemail will be like, press one. And the audience is dying. They love it. So Spider-Man goes to Mary Jane and he's like, uh, Spider-Man's gone. I'm just Peter Parker forever. And she goes, Spider-Man would never abandon the city, especially when the Green Goblin just made a threat that he's going to blow up the world. <laughs> he has to become Spider-Man again. He confronts Green Goblin on top of the Chrysler building. This is the end of Act 1. It is now the finale of the show. They have a quick fight where it is revealed that Green Goblin deduced who Peter Parker really is and has kidnapped Mary Jane. Instead you of. you mean the end of Act 2? This is the end of Act 2. Yeah. It used to be the end of Act 1. Gotcha, gotcha. Spider-Man has a nightmare because they have that really expensive Brooklyn Bridge set where Mary Jane is yes. dangling. That just happens in a dream. So then the finale of the whole show is that dream kind of coming true. Mary Jane is dangling from the Chrysler building. Spider-Man and the Green Goblin are fighting on top of the Chrysler building, but they still need to vamp for him to get in the Spider-Man costume because he has the blazer. Remember, he's wearing the blazer. They have to vamp. So Green Goblin has a scene where he sits down at a piano and he just sings a little ditty about destroying the world. Spider-Man fights Green Goblin in an intense aerial battle. But the problem is now the actor who plays the Green Goblin is attached to the ceiling and we have to get back to the play. So in the original version, what happens is the geek chorus comes out and goes, Spider-Man and Green Goblin are having the biggest fight in the world. It's crazy what's happening. But then Green Goblin says this. So in this version, J. Jonah Jameson, his assistant, Marbles played by the same actress who's playing Aunt May, because Aunt May doesn't have a lot to do. Uh, So J. Jonah Jameson, his assistant Marbles, and Flash Thompson are just standing there staring at the ceiling. Spider-Man and Green Goblin are gone. They're just standing there staring at the ceiling and go, look at that. The Green Goblin and Spider-Man are fighting up there. Where's Parker? Why can't I get any pictures? And then Flash Thompson goes, I got a camera phone. And so then they're pretending to take pictures. Green Goblin is out of the flying harness. He's back on stage with his piano that he was playing. And he goes, human beings are like ants. Scatter you, ants. I'll crush you. Ha ha. He is just standing next to J. Jonah Jameson. They're one foot apart on stage. The, th- the stagecraft is getting really confusing because you're looking at a model of the Chrysler building that's going up. But the Green Goblin's at the bottom of it. But you know he's at the top. Mary Jane is off stage right, just hanging from an unrelated gargoyle that you recognize as part of the Chrysler building. But then again, just there on stage, J. Jonah Jameson just standing there is like, look up there. He's going to crush us with that piano. He is one foot to the left of him. And he goes, I'm going to crush you with this piano. You think your puny webbing can stop me, Spider-Man? Green Goblin throws the piano off the stage. It just kind of tumbles. And then the greatest line of dialogue in theater history. I will now recite for you from memory geez louise goblin i webbed you to the piano so you wouldn't throw it off you did what some wires then pull the green goblin down the length of the model chrysler building lights go out a big green neon sign says splat spider-man has murdered another man (laughs) he's killed another guy (laughs) spider-man is a killer and so they sing turn off the dark Everything is saved. Arachne is now only in 3 scenes, each of which is a lengthy boring song where she motivates Spider-Man. The former villain of the show Rise is now inspiration. Over. It is it is the same length. Mm-hmm. It runs the same amount of time. There's roughly the same number of songs. It just is more boring that way. Uh-huh. I prefer the insanity of like it's about a spider goddess. Look at all this weird stuff we made. It's crazy. It goes on for hours. It's nuts.
1: How long was this show open for?
0: This show was open for four years. What? I'm sorry, three, like three years.
1: No. Yes.
0: Doesn't it seem like it closed right away?
1: Yes. No. I thought it like was previews, was open for like a couple weeks. A year they of closed it And then they were like, we're back. And then they were like, you failed.
0: So here's the thing. The original version, Spider-Man 1.0. Yeah. Never debuted. Mm -hmm. Never debuted. Was always in previews. Mm Spider-Man 2.0. So Spider-Man 1.0, just in previews, ran for almost a year. And then Spider-Man 2.0 was in previews for a while Mm -hmm. because there's still a technical show to figure out. They had an opening night. That show actually opened at some point. There was a Uh premiere where Bono and the Edge went to the Tonys and were like, You know, when I saw the Tonys were on our schedule, I thought we were nominated. Ha, 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 ha. But really, we finally got Spider-Man right, you guys. Come on down to the (laughs) Foxwood Theater and see me, Bono, my great new musical, Spider-Man, with no ingenuity Tamar. (laughs) And so... All the, their Tony performance is really boring because they just do the love song between Peter and Mary Jane mm-hmm. where they're just sitting on the balcony. And she's like, could you not be Spider-Man for one night? Uh, and then the world explodes. <laughs> they, I much prefer their appearance on David Letterman where they just sent out the villains to do Freak Like Me. And it's really uncomfortable. And David Letterman looks like he doesn't know what's happening. And they feel the need to make a meta narrative where the Green Goblin breaks into the TV studio. It's so bad there is an entire episode of Podcast the Ride, which is a theme park podcast I love. Mm -hmm. An entire episode of Podcast the Ride is just about their performance on David Letterman as if it's a theme park attraction. It is as chaotic. So it was open. So then they premiere Spider-Man Turn Uh Off the Dark 2.0. That was open for years. It closed in 2014. This is mind-boggling me. The Avengers was in theaters long before Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark closed.
1: Did you at any point want to go see Spider-Man 2.0? Like, was that something that was on our radar? Because we saw the previews. I don't remember how we felt about
0: the show when we saw it. I remember your biggest complaint was that they do not sing Spider-Man, (laughs) Spider-Man. does So
1: I do remember that being a complaint. My second biggest complaint was that the actress who played Mary Jane
0: was holding her stomach. Was holding her stomach
1: (laughs) (laughs) the entire show. Something that you are not supposed to do as a professional broadway singer is hold your stomach for air support uh breast support i was so confused
0: i did later find out that she was like she was very young at the time she was like 20 this was like her first big broadway thing same thing with the guy playing spider-man reeve carney he was Mm -hmm. a little older but and he was an experienced performer but he had never done a broadway show um whereas everyone else in the cast were like these broadway veterans who'd done a million things they were kind of new to broadway the original intention of Julie Taymor was to have the lead from across the universe play Peter Parker. Uh-huh. I don't think he wanted to get on the wires was the deal. Mm. Um, at any rate, Spider-Man. Uh, so this, but again, 2014 it closed. Yeah,
1: that's insane. I definitely did not think yeah. it was open that long. That, were people like consistently going to see it? Was, it? was it just like open? Cause they were like, we gotta try to do something.
0: It was selling out all the time. It was a wow. very popular show. First of all, there was the word of mouth. People had to see what this was. That doesn't last forever, you know. That kind of yeah. word of mouth, like I hear, what if someone falls? Oh my gosh, what does yeah. That doesn't last forever. But it, it, it ticket sales did fall off towards the end. But people did just want to see a Spider Man musical, much like people just want to eat at a Forrest Gump restaurant. Right?
1: Was it regarded as good? No, well, no. It
0: was regarded as better, because every critic had gone to see this preview. Preview, So they all knew the comparison. Still not a good show. Still not, I'm sorry, I'm hearing (laughs) the dog in the distance. Uh, But still not a good show, still not well regarded, still not winning Tonys, but considered a big improvement. Which I personally did agree with.
1: I mean, so here's my opinion on this yes. musical. So I, I obviously did not see the rewrite. much. Yeah. Oh. I've um, seen the
0: video of it We times.
1: saw the preview.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's a cool concept. I loved the idea. It was the first time I'd seen something like that with the cartoon aspects on stage. So, you know, you have a, a, a essentially black set like it's it's you're in the dark and like danny said like there's a thing that'll come up pow splat bam like the cartoon signs with the little yeah like um i don't know what you call that like the splatter like a bomb Shape burst. behind it, yeah. Shape, yeah. Um, And Spider-Man that happens like when he gets hit by the bullies or they're beating people up or whatever. Yeah, well, I thought would, it was very
0: cool. There was like a lot of puppeteering. Yeah. So like the wall would be black and they would have a guy dressed in all black with like a ball on a stick. Yeah. And he would slowly move the ball so it looked like Spider-Man was moving really fast.
1: Right. And, you know, it, it would be very cool like seeing things flying in the air that way or people. It was, yeah. it was very, very cool.
0: Because it was, I mean, again, Julie Taymor was like, she really loves puppetry and she right. loves all that traditional japanese theater, shadow puppets and stuff.
1: And it works well, but she was trying to definitely do too many things at once. The bringing in of too many different elements messed it up. Like right. to have the um like ancient greek mythology yeah. of arachne or actually that's not greek, is it?
0: I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. I think it's african. Is it even real? <laughs> <laughs> is any of it real?
1: I feel like Arachne is African myco- mythology. I'm totally forgetting now. You
0: know who's going to do a Google? It's Danny. I know Anansi yeah. is an African Oh, that's what around. I'm thinking
1: of. That's what I'm thinking of. It might be Greek then, Arachne. 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 Um, why am I like choking to death? Um, like going to take a Greek sip.
0: mythology drink? um known primarily um, for the version told by the Roman poet Ovid. Roman. So it's a okay, Greek so it's, and Roman. Okay.
1: So bringing that in and making it beautiful just didn't fit with the comic book elements like you were trying to do too many things it's gorgeous when arachne's dancers are floating down from the ceiling on their um yeah. ribbons that dancing is beautiful Real but quick, it doesn't fit
0: in marvel comics i'm sorry just cuz you were asking in
1: oh i looked it up go ahead
0: oh but in marvel comics uh, apparently julia carpenter
1: yes is yeah. the super um hero lady villain something arachne she um is like spider woman 2.0
0: yeah there's multiple and
1: madam web like julia
0: carpenter because there was um there was jessica drew in the 70s who's like peter parker's british cousin and she's yeah spider woman and then there was julia carpenter who had like a black and white outfit she was the second spider woman but i guess now they call her arachne
1: but she was never in spider-man she appears in secret wars yeah, she yeah. is not an ultimate Spider Man. I looked this up. What is an ultimate Spider Man that I looked up is yeah. Norman Osborne mentions Arachne. Arachne.
0: See, that's I think it's she's mentioned. I think in the they explicitly say she's only mentioned. She
1: is mentioned by Norman Osborne when he is taking out a spider and giving it to Justin before we see Peter Parker in the lab.
0: Justin Hammer, yeah.
1: So that is. Okay. what occurs um but Julie i think
0: Tamor did her homework i'm not saying she didn't read the comic she
1: just had and i relate to this i think she had too many ideas mm-hmm. and it didn't work because the comic book elements seeing that on stage was remarkable the yeah. bridge all of those pieces the comic book backgrounds were fantastic
0: i think there's a disconnect too between the things people are saying and what you're looking at which isn't necessarily the fault of the author because the director should if she wants right. something she should say it um but it's also not necessarily the fault of the director because she's not the one writing it it's nobody's right. fault it's it just, wasn't it, a it's good gonna, collaboration no because the things they're saying are usually very like fun spider-man you know yeah like spider-man hops on green goblins back and they're flying around the ceiling and you know spider-man will say something like boy this is a lousy ride i hope you don't expect a tip like, you know, Spider-Man crap right. or like when Green Goblin and Spider-Man have their big fight, the Green Goblin has wings. He mm-hmm. doesn't have wings in the rest of the show. He mentions that he has part bat DNA because um, in Cause, this version. you know,
1: that's what we know about the Green Goblin <laughs> is
0: that he's part bat. Part bat and part scorpion, but he looks like a cricket. So in this version, the Green Goblin is a mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, he in the revised version he keeps calling himself King of the Mutants. Oh
1: yeah. And
0: yeah. in the revised version, he his slogan is mutate or die. Again, Southern accent. Um, <laughs> but he you Noomina know, Osborne. Oh, it sounds no like it could be
1: Southern. It does sound like a Southern name. I'll give him
0: that. It, he plays it well. Again, the audience is going nuts for him. They they love him. And Spider-Man <laughs> 2.0. The dog's getting very loud. In Spider-Man 2.0. Um, it is the Green Goblin musical. Like they really yeah. lean on him and cut arachne completely. But uh yeah, he God, why were we talking about any of this? Well, oh, he flies. Saying, yeah. So there's a line he says, because he doesn't have wings in the rest of the show. And I guess they can't put him on a glider, really. Like so he just
1: But they could have. Okay, so here's the thing. But they could
0: have. Yes, but they didn't want to because it was not their conceit that he was a technological villain. Their right. conceit is that he's a mutant. He still throws Pumpkin bombs, which is a technological thing.
1: He does work for motherfucking Oscorp. He
0: does. And he keeps – he calls – he doesn't call – the Green Goblin has multiple weapons. A lot of them don't really translate well to other media. Like the first appearance of the Green Goblin, he didn't have a glider. He had a broomstick to keep with the Halloween theme. And then in his second appearance, they gave him all these new weapons. They gave him the glider. They gave him, in addition to the pumpkin bombs, they gave him uh, razor sharp bats. They're like batarangs, but they have knives on mm-hmm. the end, so he throws them. And they gave him little toads that he would throw. They gave him little ghost orbs, so he would throw them, and it was like mm-hmm. it was like Spider-Man's web. It would stick to you, it was like a ghost thing. Mm-hmm. Over time, it has been distilled to Green Goblin can shoot sparks out of his fingers for some reason. Green Goblin has exploding pumpkins and he has the razor bats. In the musical, they call them razor boomerangs. Mm. And I don't know why that's dumber than razor bats to me, but it is. (laughs) Anyway, so Spider, he suddenly has wings. And he then says, do you like my wings, Spider-Man? I sprouted them just for you. Which is like a thing you don't have to say. He's a weird green mutant guy. If he has wings, that's fine. I don't care. I don't care that I haven't seen his wings. He hasn't been flying until now. That line of dialogue doesn't need to be there. But someone at some point said, well, aren't the audience going to question why he suddenly has wings? Isn't the audience going to ask (laughs) where have his wings been? So then they have to include a line of dialogue that does nothing but give Patrick Page one more thing to remember before he goes flying around an auditorium. And it's like, there's a lot of that. Or, like, people will say kitschy comic book things, <laughs> but it's mixed in with the real dialogue. So it's like, are right. we? If they did all corny stuff and it was it all looked like a comic book and everybody's talked like, oh, geez, Louise and gee, Willikers, you know, you whippersnapper, that's fine. That's its own thing. That's like the 60s Batman show, it's intentionally silly. But then that's mixed in with Arachne talking about your destiny. So it's like one or the other. Go really serious or go really comic book-y. And it just feels like they should have talked it out.
1: Yeah, and they didn't. Um, Going back to Arachne real quick. This is why I was getting confused. It it makes no sense from what I'm reading. And I'm doing a very quick reading. Um, But Arachne is also um, a villain. So I guess depending Mm -hmm. on your version of Julia Carpenter depends on if she is identifying as Spider-Woman the second Madam Web or the second Arachne. But she is mutated by um, a Dr. Sylvia yaqua I don't know. She's mm-hmm. a part of a tribal native, a tribal group native to Peru. She um, ends up taking a variant of the spider serum herself, mm. this doctor, and um, identifies and, and is transformed into Arachne. Um, and she's a member of this group called Death Web, which is an enemy of the Avengers. Um, so and she becomes the archenemy of Spider-Woman. Right. Very confusing why then later in another version she, calls herself, she would call herself Arachne. But what is interesting is that in this Arachne, the supervillain. Yeah. She her power is that she fires physical webs from her wrists.
0: Like Spider-Man.
1: Like Spider-Man in the movies. Right,
0: like no web shooter web. Um
1: but Spider-Man she also that, yeah. shoots psychic webs from her glands. Okay. Um, and the pa- process is so painful to her, she wears special gauntlets on her wrists to ease the pain, um, which double as weapons, um, uh, which extend uh, a spike that's covered in spider venom.
0: This is a lot. I There's a lot of Spider-Man comics that yeah. I just don't know anything about because they get really convoluted. There was a time around, like, Spider-Man 3 when in the comic book they gave Spider-Man the organic... The webs just come out of him instead of the web shooter. And I'm fine with that. I'm, I love I it. I don't really right care. I love it. It doesn't matter to me.
1: It should be the fucking power that the spider superhero fucking has. They you know, it. the number one thing we know about spiders, that yeah. they fucking make webs.
0: They treated it like a really big deal in Amazing Spider Man when they were like, and this time he's going to build the web shooters. I feel like that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. It didn't matter. Because I think
1: most of us didn't know.
0: I think, I, I don't. The I general
1: non cares. comic book. Making sure. world, reading I world. guess
0: it's cool that he might, like, in a fight, like, he might run out of the web fluid. But it that's also one of those things that if you enjoy Spider-Man stuff, feels like just a thing they pull out whenever they don't want him to solve the problem.
1: Well, yeah, because, like, we, we never, he never fucking does unless it no, needs yeah. to. But also, like, it's unbelievable to me. It makes it not make sense that he could create this fucking... Industrial military level technology that he is strong enough to fly across New York City. You're telling me that's not the superpower? Like this to me, it's it's insane. Well, A regular
0: person can't use them because their shoulder would probably snap or whatever. You have to have the spider strength.
1: You need the strength to swing.
0: I don't think to I believe swing. People I think s- to use them like he does, where you're doing Spider-Man stuff. I don't know. I you know what I really people
1: hate people use ropes and and glide the, the, yeah. the grappling hooks all
0: the time. Since this is like a really early on in Spider Man thing, they pull this, and it's always been a thing, and I hate it. Sometimes he'll be falling, mm-hmm. and he'll make a parachute out of the webs, and I hate that. I just hate that. I don't know why, but as a kid, and even now as an adult, it just, it just like gets you. I just see it, and I'm like, that doesn't visually make sense. There's holes in the web because it's a web, right? It's not a solid. It it's doesn't work like as a
1: parachute and it doesn't yeah. make sense that he could do that. What is it sticking to while you're making it? Like it does not.
0: Yeah. Or oh, a big thing in the old cartoons from like the 60s and the 80s was he would make a shield of webs. Mm-hmm. So he would hold his wrist out and then draw a circle in the air and it would make a disc of web, which doesn't make sense because they just keep going till they hit something.
1: What I want to know in regards to Spider-Man's powers and webs is how come sometimes when he shoots, it looks like he's shooting out the shape of a fucking web when other times he's just shooting out a string. a string.
0: I don't know and I don't know why sometimes when it sticks to stuff it then becomes the shape of shape a web. Of web right. Or if he shoots like a little ball yeah. real quick it'll like splatter out into a, a spider web but then like if the web just keeps going and just hits a guy yeah, it's, it just is it's, goo.
1: Right. I, I, it doesn't make sense um, and I think we need to get J. Jonah Jameson to be digging to the bottom of that instead of trying to focus on Spider-Man being menaced.
0: Oh, there's a really, really funny dialogue exchange in Spider-Man 2.0 where they say, Jane, uh, Jonah, Jonah, th- some criminals were caught in goo last night. And he goes, goo? What kind of goo? And then Marbles, his assistant, goes, goo-goo. You know, like goo? And then the guy goes, like web, like a web. Webby goo-goo. And then they all just start saying <laughs> webby goo-goo. And wow. I... Like there's just time to kill in that version. Now we
1: should be clear: Spider-Man 2.0, in regards to the the theater, is the revised version yes. of the show. Spider-Man 2.0, in regards to the film, is a the version of Spider-Man two that yeah. is extended.
0: There's an extended cut that they would play on TV or that you could get the DVD of, where they just added in like deleted scenes. Like a few years ago, they came out with a new version of Spider-Man three that I had never heard of. Really. I just found out about this very recently. It's called Spider Man Three: The Editor's Cut, and mm. it's got some of the deleted scenes and it shortens some of the regular scenes. I haven't seen it yet, but I'd imagine it's, minor. it's all the
1: footage that was used in uh, No Way Home. Oh
0: yeah, it's the <laughs> alternate take of Sandman. That's in No Way Home. <laughs> um, I found out that is a different take from the same shot. So uh, when he's like holding up his hand and he's like, "Oh, I'm sand." Yeah, it's it is a different take. But it is. From but then. it looks so similar. You. You're just like, oh, is that a clip from Spider Man three? And it's not, but it's but it, it it's an outtake. They Really,
1: yeah. So it is from that when they were filming that. though. It is,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I think they sh- maybe that could have worked a little better, like because I the only reason I don't think it worked mm-hmm. is because I noticed in the theater and said something to Ryan or yeah. brother. If it was like, oh, uh, weeks later, I found out. But That'd it was right there in the moment I leaned over to Ryan and I was like, that's, that's a clip from Spider-Man 3. That looks very familiar. That's from Spider-Man 3. And then especially when the lizard turned into the guy.
1: Well, that was very I was clearly. like, that
0: looks like, a, that's just, that's 10-year-old footage. Which, by the way, Amazing Spider-Man, the movie, came out 2012, which means that came out while Turn Off the Dark was running on Broadway. And I just can't even.
1: That is insane to me. That does not fit in my timeline of life. Especially what year did we
0: go see it? We saw it 2011.
1: 2011. So I was a freshman in high school. Yes. Depending on the month we saw it. This is... That's so fucking weird. That is...
0: I was in middle school, so...
1: Yeah, so I was in high school then. Dang, because we weren't in middle school together. What in the fuck was that? Yeah, man, that's crazy. What is that? I... I'm happy
0: we went. I'll never forget it.
1: I'll never forget it. It was quite the experience. It's the only show I've ever seen in previews. Um, Yeah,
0: that's true. I've never seen another Broadway preview. Granted, it it was an extended preview. It was an
1: extended preview. Um, But I've
0: never seen a show. I didn't understand
1: the concept of previews at the time. No, Um,
0: like to a child. Yeah,
1: mom was saying that, and I was like, mom bought a ticket.
0: I don't. I'm going to see it.
1: Um, I do remember a bit of the stress of going, um, worrying about being late as per usual. Mom got
0: into the city. Were we late? No. No, mom got into the city on time. And I think we ate before the show was the thing, was why we might have been late. We might not have had time to eat.
1: I don't know if that's right. I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, you probably remember more than me, but then we established today that you didn't remember a core memory of my childhood that no, I thought you No, yeah, totally Molly knew. and
0: I were talking about some toys we had when we were kids, including the silly six-pins bowling set.
1: Which, if any of you had the silly six-pins bowling set, right write in. Yes, right us in. in. Us let us, us t- Let's talk about it. Because, send us a
0: podcast email. Um,
1: send us a Twitter. I fucking loved that shit.
0: Tweet us a picture of silly six sixpence.
1: Pins. We love silly sixpence as kids. Um, but not to bowl. I primarily used the pins um, as drinks when yeah. we were playing because they were all different colors and they had these silly faces on them. Um, they all had a little catchphrase they'd say and um, for some reason I randomly remember this the other night when I was sitting there by myself in the room and I just said I'm smarter than the average pin you know.
0: There was one pin that was orange and had Velma glasses and was therefore the nerd pin and it was the I think it was like all the way back to the left and when you put her down on the thing, yep. she would say, I'm smarter than the average pin, you know.
1: Like a really wormy, obnoxious yeah. way. But that was the one that stuck in my head. And right before this, stand, and I were watching uh, a some YouTube clips video
0: of, yeah. uh, of someone playing with it. Them
1: saying the, the, the different catchphrases, including, Go ahead, take your best shot.
0: They all have <laughs> weird kind of voices. So they all say things like, oh, Let's let's get this ball rolling. <laughs> and then it would go, pff, tsh, Yeah. Because that's a bad joke. Not like the other ones, which are really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but the, definitely the smarter than your average pin, you know, stuck in my head. But anyway, so we were talking about these old toys that we had and I was asking, cause I thought maybe the topic could be obscure toys. We remember from our childhood, but then in that process, I realized Danny, Danny and I didn't remember, didn't remember the same obscure no. toys. Um, Danny has a very fond memory as do I and our brother Ryan of this microwave. Ryan oh, had.
0: Yeah. There was this toy microwave and we can't find what it's from, but it was a toy microwave. I'm and assuming
1: it c- it's, it's gotta be Fisher price. It right? must
0: be. They made shit like this all the time. Those motherfuckers. Those motherfuckers are Fisher motherfuckers fish motherfuckers fish price. No, uh, so they would That was bordering on Like a Tony Soprano But what um, Those <laughs> fucker? I can't do him yeah, I really You, you to,
1: went Donald Trump When you went to do that
0: I'm telling you You watch The Sopranos He's talking like this The whole time it's very, it's very It's on the border But it's too angry And it's too loud And James Gandolfini As Tony Soprano Every no, scene He's breathing so heavily dang. It's just constant That's very Trump That's very Trump it's, it's the greatest Breathing acting I've ever seen in my life
1: Anyway, these motherfuckers had it's a fish
0: price. It's a microwave. It's a toy microwave. It came with a, like toy popcorn you would put in there and stuff. And a toy bowl of soup toy that was alphabet soup. soup. Toy bowl of alphabet soup. You would put it in there. You'd push a button. It would spin around and a light would turn on. And then it you'd open the microwave. And it would say, be careful. It might be hot. And <laughs> as a, as children, we would just wander around the house going, careful. <laughs> careful. It might be hot. And to nothing. To nothing. We were we were insane. We were brainwashed
1: we by this were weird kids. toy.
0: And so that was... That was a very distinct memory, but then Molly began describing a, a bunch of toys I didn't remember, like a safari jeep that we had. or Yeah, and
1: you know. I, I got to ask Ryan later if he remembers, because I don't understand how you could have not remembered this. This right. was the best thing. We fucking rode this safari thing around all the time. It wasn't the best thing, but the best part about it was it was a little you know those little truck things you just sit on and ride but it had a a little flap that could open you could put stuff in it which we fucking loved Yeah. Um, and anyway uh, I told him about that we had a little gas station thing that we could use to pretend to fill up the tank which we fucking loved and then we had um, this game which I don't know what it is I've got to try to google it very
0: fortunate children
1: yeah, we got a lot so of, toys. Lo- so lots of lots so of toys. Um, but we had this mat that was like a whack-a-mole except you stomp on spiders when they lit up yeah and, and I just have no um, recollection of that I one I mean either. that one was a really old one I think we only had that when we first moved in here and I remember playing it with dad's yeah co-worker's son oh. who only came here once and gave me a rug burn by dragging me across the floor Whoa. down my back really badly. Um I, That was when I learned rug burns were a thing the hard way. Right. Um, and I had played with that spider thing as well as dad's friends uh Matt Gun. and Gianna. Wow. When they came we, we played with that once and I don't remember um, ever playing with it other than that. But
0: I, yeah, I most remember this of my memories of my toys from childhood obviously I was um, a boy. No. I was given a lot of like action figures for birthdays and stuff. So that's a lot of my childhood memories and trying to have to, as we've talked about many times, trying to have to improvise a Mary Jane.
1: Oh, let's talk about what we got each other for Christmas. Yeah, we did.
0: Okay, so for Christmas, Molly got me, probably my favorite thing Molly got me, not to tip my hand too much, but I was just talking about as a kid, I really wanted to marry Jane, and I do have one of the few Mary Jane toys they ever made, which was from the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. She's a repainted invisible woman. Uh, there's also a Christmas version of her, which I don't have because I always go, I don't want to spend the money on the Christmas Mary Jane. Uh, one day I will <laughs> break down and buy Christmas Mary Jane. But there was a Gwen Stacy that I had talked with Molly about previously. It's like Silver Age comics. And it's just Gwen Stacy. It's the most hideously sculpted body. Oh, it's
1: so the the sculptor sculpting itself is sexist and just not
0: attractive. No, nineties toy biz could not sculpt a woman to save their lives. That Mary Jane is a miracle. It looks good, be, and it's only because it's a repainted Invisible Woman that it looks Man. okay. Um, but the Gwen, but I love it so much, and I'm so happy I I finally have it. It's Molly got some it.
1: nice neon colors. I think does she have a zebra pattern? She has like a stripe. Yeah, yeah, She's in.
0: She's in kind of the classic Gwen Stacy outfit, which is a green shirt. No, it's um, it's a pink skirt and like a green jacket is the regular one. Mm-hmm. So she's in a green shirt, a pink skirt. She has the black headband with the bangs, but her shirt has black stripes on it because mm. I think it's a. Yeah, it's, yeah, a,
1: it's like a zebra, not yeah, zebra because yeah. it's like crinkly lines. I don't know what you call that pattern, but you know what I'm talking about, folks. Um, she looks like a Polly Pocket, yeah. quite frankly, with that plastic hair.
0: Yeah, and then Molly also got me a Barbie of Poison Ivy from the Batman cartoon. So those are my... Th- those Female were really toys. Cool. Yeah. I was
1: really pulling the female action figures for Danny. Um, and then I also got Danny to update the Whoopi collection for all you out there wondering. Yes. We got Stormella.
0: My Whoopi Goldberg collection, I've talked before on the podcast, I won't bore everyone. Um, I do have a collection of Whoopi Goldberg merch. One of the pieces that had been eluding me was a plush of her character from the 1990s Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer 2D animated movie that went to theaters with John Goodman as Santa and Whoopi Goldberg as the villain Stormella the Winter Witch um, there was a plush of Stormella I'd only ever seen it listed for like $50 Molly managed to find it somewhere uh, this plush of Stormella I was so delighted which means the only other piece of Stormella merch I have to look out for is the Hallmark ornament that came out the same year So yep. I'm so, just keep so your touched. Eyes peeled, folks. Some wonderful presents.
1: Danny me. got me a giant um, Funko of yeah. Baby Yoda slash Grogu that is Two things Molly loves
0: that I hold in contempt.
1: Funko and Baby Yoda. Funko
0: and Baby Yoda. But it's, it's really, it's a giant it's thing.
1: Awesome. And it's awesome. He's a bobblehead, but so I don't really have a great shelf space for him right now. So he's on, um, I have these drawers in my closet and he's on the <laughs> drawer just staring at our bed because yeah. we always have the closet door open. Um, and I love just looking over in the middle of the night and seeing these giant thing. fucking eyes in the closet. It's
0: he is really cute as a Funko Pop because so I don't cute. like, you know, I'm not a big Funko guy. But like the big black eyes work great because yes. he's Yoda. The Baby Yoda, he has the big black eyes anyway. Crab, so. little and little it's robu. a nice sculpt. Like I, w- I will say of the Funko. I got Molly that. I got Molly some other crap. Um, usually what I do for Christmas is I just give Molly all these little things I find. and collect yeah. them and then I give them to her.
1: Um, But this year, Danny gave me a lot of presents throughout the year.
0: Um, I did give you presents throughout the year, and then I did give you all your presents. Not all your presents. I gave you a bunch of presents after we had exchanged Christmas presents (laughs) because I had not wrapped any of them.
1: Yes, because we did do presents at like 4 a.m. on New Year's Day. Um, Good times. I also, Danny gave me these Pocahontas trading cards, um, which I have to find my other set of them to see. you know which yeah. um you know if the, what if you got even multiple. get you I got
0: you a mickey mouse shirt
1: you got stuff. me an awesome some awesome vintage mickey stuff yeah. um which was cool um Aren't you got me cool some shit. puzzles love some puzzles
0: i feel bad anytime i give you puzzles i think i prioritized what i gave you cuz the stuff that wasn't wrapped was like puzzles you know what i mean like i just i, I feel I, bad giving puzzles. i fucking
1: love puzzles yeah. um although this puzzle is already driving me insane i started it and i'm already the the fucking edges are not lining up it's a whole fucking is
0: it the Shit's creek one yeah oh.
1: um it's it's not the puzzle's fault it's mine i'm clearly visually impaired um right but anyway um
0: i'm panicking because i think we've done an episode about the spider-man musical before
1: we have not done an episode about the spider-man musical before feels like we have I think you're thinking of earlier this episode. Are you
0: thinking of every day when I talk <laughs> When you talk
1: about it? Um, I'm sure you mentioned it. How can you not mention the Spider-Man musical? True. But we have definitely not talked this much about the Spider-Man musical, and we have not talked about it in combination with Scientology before. Um, so we've definitely never done a deep background on arachne. Um, That's true. Bring it didn't all know in. I
0: arachne stuff.
1: Um, anyway, childhood toys. I feel like there's a reason I was, we were talking about that. Aside from the fact Careful, that- Careful, it might be hot. It was potentially our topic today. Wait. <gasps> Oh no! I didn't
0: remember the Jeep.
1: You didn't remember. We got our each other toys. stuff for Christmas. No, no, before that. Before that, why and did Mary I mention Jane. this? Why the fuck did I bring up? Was and it just that you forgot you our childhood? I think I made a joke about so you not remembering our childhood.
0: Yeah, I do, I do not.
1: Um, our and our toys. Um. Anyway, folks, um, I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Scientology and, and Spider-Man, and Spider-Man um, Turn Off the Dark. Do you remember Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark? Did you know it was on Broadway as long as it was? Because we fucking didn't. Did you see it?
0: Yeah. Did you see it? Um, Either version. What did you
1: think? And which version did you see? Did you see both? If there's someone out there who saw both, um, write in and tell us what you think.
0: If you want the complete experience, there are many bootlegs. Of the show. And some of them are pretty good quality. I will just simply say that all you need is that performance on David Letterman. The cast of Spider-Man performing Freak Like Me Needs Company on... You have to say it like that. You can't say company. It's company. (laughs) A freak like me needs... Company. Yeah. Um, David Letterman it'll give you the impression of what the show is
1: and then look up Spider-Man Rise Above because
0: Molly likes the song
1: I like the song Rise Above it's very catchy it was stuck in my head for years after it and yes, (laughs) and it gives you a vibe of how inconsistent the musical is oh yeah because if you contrast those two the very beautiful ballad and uh, of um, Rise Above you will see the the stark
0: difference um, of when Bono and The Edge were like they wanted a song versus when they needed one.
1: Do you think that this was really affected at all by the writing of American Idiot the musical?
0: No, I think it they were both caused by the same thing which was Andrew Lloyd Webber once joked that the only reason he had been so successful on Broadway was because the actual rock stars and rock musicians had not done Broadway shows mm. yet. Um, which isn't technically true. There was a show called Beatlemania in like 1975. That show, Beatlemania, is the reason why we know John Lennon wanted to do a Beatles reunion. Um, because they were suing the people for doing Beatlemania. They had the mm-hmm. rights to perform the songs, they didn't have the rights to the Beatles as people. Um, and so they were suing them to get them to stop. And in the court deposition, John Lennon said, part of the reason we want them to stop doing this is because me and the actual Beatles want to do a reunion tour and this is going to damage our brand. And that was like two weeks before John Lennon died. So, that, you know. Anyway. So,
1: thanks a lot,
0: Beatlemania. So, there's not a lot of rock and roll musicals on Broadway. The Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals are, of course, all very rock inspired. Mm-hmm. We all know the guitar riff from Phantom of the Opera. Bah, 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 bah. Anyway, damn. But damn. so, because of that remark, Bono and the Edge went, Hey, we'll do Spider Man. And I assume that's part of why they went for Green Day as no, a jukebox
1: music. So, that was the guy who did Spring Awakening, did um, American Idiot, which is he also like Green a, Day. That is rock itself. Like, that is very yes, rock musical, but, but, it's but it not was not good, a rock band. I love Spring I Awakening. I hate Spring
0: Awakening so bad. Spring Have you ever had Awakening, to sit through a production of it?
1: Yes. So, Spring Awakening. I think, in a way, is what Julie Tamor was trying to go for um no, in that and
0: there's no puppets
1: no no no, and not in that crazy. sense in that it was rock but the dialogue is motherfucking shakespearean and you don't know what they're talking about you know what i mean it's like the music was modern the storyline and i like, just don't care for were not. things
0: that are that grim and want yeah. you to be amazed that they're grim and
1: like, i love pure sadness i get
0: nothing from it it's not like it's teaching you anything it's just like don't repress the children for God's sake, don't repress the children. But it's like, this is a Broadway show for people who can pay $200 a ticket. Like you're not getting the message to the people who need to hear it. It reminds me of uh, Rent, because Rent is also like aggressively sad and Mm -hmm. is like, you know, stand up, fight AIDS. They say that at one point, yeah. even though the rest of the musical-
1: Actual reality, act up, fight AIDS.
0: Yeah, exactly. but then it's like, well, everyone going to see Rent is cool with gay people. I don't know if you know this. I mean, they might be like, you know, go home and they're like, well, as long as the gay is not in my house. You know, they might be like that. But it, you're just talking to rich people who want to see a Broadway show. You're never going to get that message to like the poor masses or people from, from the Midwest, you know.
1: See, I disagree. I think that you are forgetting the incredibly large tourism market of Broadway. Right. In which people from all over the world come to New York City to see the shows. And they
0: go to see Phantom of the Opera. And they go to see their spectacle. And their, 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 <laughs> their frivolous entertainments. The Lion
1: which is King. why we should Lion. get fucking Lion King and fucking Phantom of the Opera We should off. evict
0: them. Should, there should be a time clause SpongeBob got evicted. It was doing very well. It was a popular musical, but they had to remodel that theater, so they just kicked him out. Um... We re-recorded me saying that because four four times in a row I said Spider Man when I meant SpongeBob because we be talk about Spider Man so much. But yeah, we should we should kick a, we should get rid of all the popular musicals that are keeping Broadway afloat. Yeah,
1: you know, like make some room for force people to see the ones with the deep messages.
0: No, I, I kind of like that Phantom of the Opera has been open forever, if only because it. No, I fucking hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. He can suck. It. He's a bad guy, but. I like the idea that the record for cats is further and further in the past, and Lion King is a little too cats esque. But
1: I was happy that Le Miz had the record at a point. So like Le
0: Miz is, if any of them have to have the record, I'll take Le Miz.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Of, of the mega the kids, musicals. fucking from the musical that I directed. Oh yeah, they the fucking keep kept asking about doing fucking cats, and I was like. If you want to do cats, you can get Danny fucking back in
0: here, because I am not fucking doing this. Molly, I will happily perform in a children's production of cats on the one condition that I get to be Bombularena.
1: Look, I'm not doing cats. Molly, you want to do cats, please. you fucking do cats. I, I can't play the Rum Tum
0: Tugger. I don't have the, the physique.
1: The Rum Tum Tugger is, I don't know where the fuck I was, but somebody somewhere where I fucking was, maybe it was in the fucking Book of Mormon. Yeah. They're joking about... The fucking rum tum tucker. The
0: rum tum tucker. He's a curious cat.
1: And I was furious that I understood what it was about because I only understood the joke yeah. because of you. Because
0: I love cats and how bad it is. Not even the movie, the play. Like I'm I'm very into cats as a curiosity. I love when they say things like, um, if you offer me a pheasant, I'd rather have a mouse if you no if you offer me a fish nah fuck it point is a cat sucks I love it
1: skimble shanks the rail. Well, as you can cat. see we haven't missed a fucking beat no, Danny still beat. loves fucking well that didn't the that show
0: is still a... three hours long every episode <laughs>
1: yep we well, missed
0: you all we... Molly we cannot forget our famous sign off I said this in the shower to myself the other day are you ready I'm ready thanks ready? for tuning in write us email us spider-man rise above okay ready three Two, one. The, the sun, sun is bright, is bright and, and the powder's bitching. Later,
1: days. All later, later
0: town days, You just found me. I'm a sixty-five million-dollar circus tragedy. I'm not rolling, baby, rolling in the green, but I'm unique, a free I'm the new